0: Put some gravy on that da baby. da 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 da
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where I try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Jan Coyle. And to my right, filling in for Calm Heron again. I know, he's <laughs> just back. <laughs> uh,
2: it's Dominic Phelan, thank you for having me.
1: You see... We we were expecting to have Heron on the show. Yeah. And I, I was actually going to say in the introduction, and, and they proved that they're not the same person, Dominic Fathen. And <laughs> Now we only have you, <laughs> so the mystery continues. I don't know. He
3: was supposed to come, but then he was caught up with that shoot. He could land halfway through, you know what I mean? I'm not quite sure. He could do. Yeah. Could happen.
1: It wouldn't surprise me. Him. <laughs> I don't know. He's getting a bit lax now with the appearances recently. He's kind of,
3: week by week, I think Dom's just snapping his authority a wee bit. By next week, Colin could be gone altogether. Who oh. knows?
1: Yeah. You you make you make tackle for him and the amount of episodes you've been on. <laughs> so I, I was trying to count this. That's <laughs> how
3: sad is that. That's how I do in my spare time trying to count my episodes because I've only must one. You've obviously must none. You must done this like what you're sick for something. Um,
2: mm. four. veteran. No, I don't know. Number Podcast four,
3: veteran. <laughs>
1: four. Um, yeah. Another thing, just to bring it up. I'm. What was it four days and the no started on Tuesday.
3: What day is it today? Fourth. No, the day's the third. You're three I days. I'm Maggie. Like, it's bad. In days on already.
1: <laughs> I'm three days into my uh, dryathlon. You drank every day. Drank every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 but you keep starting over, so it counts. For. <laughs> <laughs> no, three days in, and pe- people are asking me like. Oh, you're not dying for a drink at all? This it's like, I didn't drink that much, you it's, it's, it's during just, the week. <laughs> it's just during the podcast. let give you a bad reputation. That's what it is. Because even
3: I found myself doing it last night. I was all oh, Jesus texting, you know, you're not dying for a drink No, shit, It's a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seven in the evening. You know? <laughs> of course I'm
1: not but I'm down for drugs. joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if anybody wants to help, support, you can go to uh, justgiving.com forward slash less drinking, more giving. Bam. What are you sitting on now at the minute? What's your tally? Currently on 30
3: pounds. That's sweet <laughs> for fucking three days. Good stuff. And definitely give it a go
2: because for a good cause, although I've given absolutely nothing yet to <laughs> what yes, they sure talk. <laughs> what is it? A, a tenner a day? So you're going to have 300 by the end of the month. That's that's the plan. That's <laughs>
3: Tenner a day? Where are you getting these teners from? I don't know. Dumb, that's that's man the man average is. so far. £30, three days. That's the starting and finishing tally. Yeah. It's going to be peak now in those days at £30. It's going to be
1: £3 a day. <laughs> but yeah, give if you want to give.
3: Also I just As, as a side point too, Since Mickey has stopped drinking uh, he, he failed to mention that He has become a heroin addict. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like He should not know as we speak <laughs> Mickey pull away We're talking about this <laughs> <laughs> Although I have I do You don't have, have any rub- veins do, left Mickey I do, I do <laughs> have a rubber band On my arm I wonder why Were so many spoons Laying about
1: It's time for Slow down Danger
0: that's what <laughs> i
3: was uh, saying Still a little bit too intense okay. See the all right Like I said On last week's podcast that See when it was dark Last week And we were sitting on here And playing that I was horrified <laughs> yeah, man, Absolutely fucking horrified <laughs> Right well Go ahead
1: Imagine waking up With like an almighty hangover In here and Danger <laughs> <laughs> I just, Anytime I hear It reminds me of Resident Evil I said this okay. last week But I just think
3: of zombies Are like fucking Something bad's going to happen it's like in Resident Evil 3 where you're you're walking through the PlayStation and Nemesis just fucking busts through the window out of nowhere. You ever played Nemesis, no? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It that. is freaky as shit. That's exactly what that reminds me of. That's making me regress in the deep, dark terrors in my childhood, that fucking thing. <laughs> but I right, I, got, I got the Ninja ball this week. It is a very humble bottle of <laughs> Lambrini. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, God. baby. Lambrini. Are we getting <laughs> fucked up tonight. Bring me back what, to the what's, horrors what's of what my childhood. What size of that is that bottle? That is, it's it's almost, aye, it's like a, a chalice <laughs> in the way look at that it's fucking absolutely gigantic now
1: many many, many have you gotten though? let me see it looks like about two three, liters two, which two is this here
3: two and a half that's 150 cl what's that uh, uh, one, and and a half th- half one and a half liters it's only 7.5% but as you know from being up in the walls or your first experience of mm. drinking this <laughs> will leave you jaw Yeah.
1: So it's it's tied for the largest danger bottle, uh, along with... Show me! was that me. show the yeah, yeah. So, so, me the so money? So, so good.
3: Show me the money. Uh, Lambrina Original, slightly sparkling Perry. best served, best served chilled. Is that at sparkling at, as well? Uh, well, <laughs> I'll sparkling when it comes out. Uh, it's 3.49, you can't argue that, boys. Best and you want ser- to wear someone alcoholics? I put like. God, this is <laughs> best served out. by the swings in the park, if <laughs> I remember correctly. <laughs> Best served under a bridge. What's it said? Oh, do you know what? Lambrette don't fuck about. They don't even put like a description on the back whatsoever. It literally just says a repeat of the front. Enjoy, chilled. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right, so we'll crack this open. and Oh, well, sorry, Mickey. Me and Dom will crack this open. Yeah. If I can fucking get it open. It's like Fort Knox here. I mean... Jesus Christ This is sort of the this last is like, This is the tease The alcoholics That's just how, how fucking Hard it is to get open It is the
2: last stage Before you've hit Rock bottom alcoholism Because if you're Above the age of 18 And still drinking Lambrini well. You know you've got A problem <laughs>
3: <laughs> In all fairness The first time I think I've purchased Since I was about 17 They are dumb You get on for sure Be my guest
2: Had a long
1: day This is, right, this, this is the biggest uh, Danger bottle We've had tied.
2: It's huge but yeah it's between the least amount of people. It's just. I know, know it's only us two. That's right. <laughs> Fuck sake! I should, I'd really don't think us true. We should really christen an aircraft carrier with this. <laughs> 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 Get it down, yeah.
3: Her Majesty's <laughs> bungo boss, probably. That's what we're we getting. Fucking christened it? Oh, it's
2: still as nice as I remember. What nice?
3: <laughs> oh, he's relapsed. <laughs> he's went back. It's is finished. It, the What'd it? you do? <laughs> is there any sugar that they put in this? Ah, crazy. we you on a diet. You need to go to die, You're lovely and slender.
2: No, I'm a completely and utterly addicted to sugar.
3: uh Oh, <laughs> Mickey on cocaine. It. What's, what's <laughs> my advice? <laughs>
2: <my laughs> it tastes really, really sweet, and I like it.
3: I oh, try heroin. Are you doing cocaine these days too, Mickey?
1: I uh, just when I can't get
3: heroin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that old chestnut. What was I going to say? Oh, it was a fun fact about last week's danger bottle too. Uh, last week's obviously Goldsleger. Remember I said about. It's called Ghost Like vodka in America, and you all know how I don't think it is. And you had me doubt myself, so check this: it is. Awesome. It is called Ghost Like vodka in the states. It's just
1: so, called ghost Like vodka. I even what though it's not vodka, I
3: know, but I, I think it's more like a kind of a sort of colloquialism I think it's still called ghost Langer but it's like a nickname for it. You know what I mean? All right, so, no, that yeah,
1: no, because I, because I, the name Ghost Like vodka just sounds like like a made up generic mm. name for when you can't use the actual name for it. That's why I thought it was just that and super bad. Like, no, apparently that's what it is what in the states.
3: Like so there you go. Fuck you, man.
1: I <laughs> still don't believe you. Do he even showed me any evidence, like, you're not a trustworthy Go man. Go and put Google on that tablet on, then <laughs> we'll
2: see the big minus. And that no. co- <laughs> cost under a five, it did it?
3: No, no, see, we were celebrating last week uh, because it was, it was Heron's return, was herons and obviously return. it was Mickey going drive for him. so yeah. he spent seven pound, like.
2: Anywho, uh, what have we watched this week? Dominic. What have I, I went to see Straight Out of Compton on Sunday. Oh, oh she really? I was supposed to go eat. I was yeah. so fucked up looking yeah, you Yeah, you were hungover. You <laughs> went to You went to an all-night rave, and then you went to the after party of the all-night rave. I woke up in somebody's house at half and 11.
3: 22 must calls.
2: And <laughs> 15 <laughs> of them from I my d- girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your girlfriend doesn't even have my number, but she ended up getting in contact with Aye. me looking yeah, for me. she it. contacted me.
3: <laughs> she contacted Dan as well, and Tierney, and my mother. She basically contacted half a fucking day looking for me. SOS search uh, party.
2: Four houses down. the I road. was four houses <laughs> down the street.
3: <laughs> 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 Completely fucked. Ah, oh, no, but man, anyway, what was straight out of like, Let's not um, talk about my Must it, adventures. Was, it was,
2: it was good. I liked it. I, I've, I've liked hip hop music for a long time. And uh, I think the story, you know, they had to, they had to change and adjust a few things in the storyline just to give it a nice beginning, middle, end. And it's know, about whitewashed. Nice, Pardon the pun. <laughs> Well, they they kind of make uh, Doctor Dre into something of the main the main protagonist, or maybe the main I wouldn't say main protagonist, but he's definitely given like a more a more substantial moral role. No, more moral a more, position yeah. over the others.
3: I know that there's a a lot of flack coming off that. I think it was like some of his ex girlfriends have come out and says that you know back in the day when he was in the N.W.A. he was a fucking animal and like yes. he used to, like beat the shit out of yeah. his girlfriends uh, and he was a big I drug
2: abuser that. and stuff. He did he did beat was. Well, remember there's that m&m song of his first album where the guilty conscious song oh yeah where m&m says oh oh i don't you remember beating up d barnes he attacked uh a, a woman no i think she was a radio presenter or something he he she criticized him something on radio so he, later he found her in la and beat the shit out of her jesus christ so yeah he's not she don't forget about adrenaline. and. <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. Like,
3: uh, I, I have not promoting domestic <laughs> abuse in any way. <laughs> i
2: going add. But uh, I think uh, the depiction of Sugar Knight is pretty much spot on. Do you portray it's, him then just it's as an absolute yeah, psychopath? A psychopath, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, if Dr. Dre's in business with this psychopath, and the nature of psychopaths is you sort of get drawn in and you would have joined in with it. Yeah. So I'm sure Dr. Dre was doing quite a few dodgy things at the time. At,
3: at the same time, too, if you look at I mean... If they were just, you know, five fellas from the ghetto or five fellas who basically yeah. didn't have a party person and then this guy's offering su- them the world like... Yeah,
2: a super, super macho, working class attitude. Yeah. And then you've got all the money in the world. Of course, you're just going to go a bit crazy And there is a scene actually where they've got loads of girls in a hotel lobby, no, in a hotel room and the boyfriend comes looking for her and he pulls out a gun looking yeah. for this one particular girl, Letitia. And then they find her and then they chase the boys away and then I think it's actually Ice Cube's character just... Like puts his hand on Letitia's head and just push, pushes her out into the hallway while she's naked. And he's like, fuck you. Is that that kind of attitude? Is
3: I wonder how the rest end will be here. Well, obviously, Z dead, but I wonder how the other four kind of reacting to it. You know what I mean? Because uh, it doesn't well, seem like it's a complete whitewash. I it does s- seem like it shows words and all,
2: in a way. Is they, they work on Easy Ice Cube, and Dr. Dre, DJ Yella and MC Ren are a little bit lesser characters.
3: They're more, but you know, it's because in real life as well, they're more obscure. When yeah.
2: you when you name NWA, the the three you think of as Cube, mm. Dr Dre, and obviously uh, Easy. MC Ren was not really that good in MC after. They're so the bad. End
3: See, and going back right. and listening, they Straight out Carlton recently. It has aged horribly. Mm. The beats and stuff like that are good, but see, the rhymes, yeah, awful. Yeah. But anyway, we're not less us talk more hip hop. No.
2: Uh, and, uh, oh. well, do you know why they didn't talk about DJ? Because he just went into a career shooting porn. <laughs> 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 that was so good. I don't want to see that play <laughs> out. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was a good film. If you like hip hop and if you like all the ins and outs in the background of hip hop music, then it's worth listening to. or watching. Uh, do you watch anything else this week? I started watching When I Leave You. Uh,
3: Jason Bateman, though. So. Jason Bateman, i sort of thing.
2: Tina Fey, Adam Driver, the boy that was in Girls, and he's sort of coming up. Quite we, a nice actor. I like him. We love him. I really like him. He's, he's in, in f- the new Star Wars. He's in yeah, yeah playing Kylo the bad. Aaron. That'll put yeah, him on the superstar.
3: Girls kind of put him on the map, and then he's done. He's like an Andy Darling. Like he's know, on Frances Ha, is, and you know, things like that. And, and he's also if. done the What If, and he's done, uh, and say Leland Davis. So he's got good and form. That,
1: that Ben Stiller one as well. Uh, while we're younger.
3: well, I didn't see that. But yeah, uh, I mean, like, I think what well, I like to he's kind of. First of all, he's an excellent actor, but he's like that unconventional looks. He's he's a bit quirky yeah. looking. He's and got he a
2: really interesting face. Yeah. I like looking at his face. And it's
3: awful they say that you don't <laughs> want to talk <laughs> about that dude. I, I do. I, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> kind fine. of the same though because you know the way you, you see this standard template or the standard definition of what you know a leading Hollywood man or, or actress looks like, and you're like, and after a while it gets boring. When you see a wee interesting kind of mad mm. fist, you know what uh, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean? You go, but i there like... I
2: even had to check him out on a Wikipedia to look for his ancestry because I was thinking, Jesus, he's got some sort of Inuit blood in him. There's those, such high cheekbones. It's like, is there some Siberian reindeer herder somewhere down the line? And it's just pretty much like English, Irish, Scottish oh, and oh. German heritage. Ah, oh, it's everything. Big Dolly, my boy, sure <laughs> eh. But,
3: uh... I thought <laughs> you were going to see on his NDV page just they look <laughs> on his fizz. <face. laughs> just scroll through photos of his fizz. So, uh, uh, what it, was it like?
2: It was good. Uh, a fairly standard kind of coming, right? The father dies mm. and the family come back together. Have to you never seen
3: that film before? Mm. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> so, I thought I'll go and watch it because my, my siblings are quite distantly spread around in the world and I don't really see them that often. So, I was I, kind I
1: hit my family as well. Stop saying that. You've been told before. <laughs>
2: But uh, it froze on me, so I couldn't actually finish the film. Gosh, but I was enjoying it. It, it. The pace was fast enough to keep going. You don't want it to get too sucked into the typical sort of sentimental Hollywood values. Mm-hmm. The standard characters are there. Adam Driver plays the baby of the family. He's a bit of a playboy. Uh, he's hooked up with his uh, psychiatrist, who's a lot older than him. Like Matt is working for him. There's like the really Jason Bateman's the straight guy, you know, the main protagonist who's just done everything right but then has suddenly come through a, a huge hurdle in his life that he's got to get through Tina Fey is, she's reasonably interested I don't think there was not there wasn't enough put into her character I don't think as which is disappointing because when you have mm. Tina Fey you should fucking use her properly they she's did, such they, a great actress they, like. they kind of used her as giving off a little witty one line at the end of each scene
3: yeah, instead. Th- I mean, like, but but, but did off. you find that a wee? B- I know it's supposed to be sort of like a, a dramedy, but did you find that a wee bit jarn? Like they're trying to play on the fact, you know, that the, the sort of Thirty Rock persona, like they were trying to prove yes. about a humor yes. when she should have been played more dramatic.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think maybe that that kind of a dramedy, as they're calling it. I don't think, it. think that kind of comedy works in dramedy. Yeah, maybe definitely
3: that. not Thirty Rock sort of humor, no.
2: really. or Tina
3: Fey's standard you know, like the sort of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt sort of yeah. humor. You know, that I don't. From what I haven't actually seen, uh, this is where I leave you, but. You can even just tell by the promotional material what sort of film it's aiming to be, like a sort of Andy Dramley. Mm. Uh, I don't think of that, but I mean, maybe it's on me saying it, that. I it, moved,
2: it moved quite fast along, and then it froze to a point where I couldn't get maybe halfway through the film, or the last 45 minutes. So, I kind of missed that climatic, you know, where it comes to that climatic peak, and then everything goes wrong, and then it corrects itself again. But... I would say it's worth watching on a Sunday afternoon oh, 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 you you whoa. Know? you doing phone <laughs> times, I call him here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah He really but is Stepping really on his grave and really? telling <laughs> you, no, He's on his mark, hey. Someone's got to do it it's what, it's what, 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 what time, sir, on a Sunday, I must say? Any time on a Sunday afternoon I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to watch on a Friday or a night yeah. if, you, if you've got nothing else better to do, it's But, but at the
3: same time, who does watch films on a Friday night? Usually, go mad you know I know mean, what mean? Maybe
2: a horror film or a
3: comedy on a date Yeah, yeah I like that. We'll say we'll, we'll <laughs> say about half because we need to bring this back. This was a beloved feature by at least two people. Uh, so we we'll say about half three in a Sunday. Yeah, right. I love it, Mickey. What you watch this week?
1: Uh, just as a side note, if anybody hears kind of thumping or like scratching, it's not me having withdrawals. <laughs> it's the you literally have th- the edge. <laughs> uh, my dog Suki is in the podcast tent. So hey, just, and uh, uh, for you're wondering.
3: For our really devoted fans, you will remember that Suki was also in the first episode when we we're an altogether girl, much more amateur affair. <laughs> 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 she's currently on top of me, licking my hand. She was scratching that shit out of my arm.
1: There, now. Like. I know, know. She really wants up my lap. Ah, fucking, come on, let's go. Um, yeah, this week you I watch this week, <laughs> <laughs> me and Suki this week watched uh, Paddington. Ooh, it's actually really fucking good. This is what Paddington bear. Paddington bear. Who did the voice for that? It's uh oh, Ben Wisher, yeah. It's he's is, that's um he's the new Q. Yeah, he's the new Q in,
2: in James Bond. Oh, Great the actor. little, yeah, small guy with a floppy brown. Yeah, yeah, really, really good actor. But Probably, the,
3: it, look, sorry,
1: not gonna hit. Sorry, it's uh, written and directed by Paul King, who like directed Mighty Bush and stuff. Yep and you can. There's a lot of kind of Mighty ishness yeah. in it, like, and it's it's just a lot of fun, and there's just, it's just really quirky and. Just uh, uh, wee jokes. <laughs> and it, like it's really... It's I love that really there's
3: good. so many kind of... I wouldn't even say adult jokes because they're not crude, but just jokes that only adults would get. Yeah. And when I was watching it, th- there, there's one that's always stuck in my head. And was, I thought it was, for me, anyway, one of the funniest lines of last year, but it's. I think it's the daughter. And you, she's really smart on it, isn't she? She's like a know-it-all. Oh, aye, she,
1: uh, she can learn languages. Aye, that's she
3: really can good. learn languages, but I think that uh, she's trying to learn like Spanish or something like that, or, or Peruvian, because obviously that's where we're... Uh, Oh, come from.
2: They speak mainly Spanish, and but Peru, I think but they, there are native languages as well. Oh, well, well, he comes remember. from darkest Peru,
1: darkest, <laughs> darkest yeah. Peru.
3: But he's trying to learn it, but it's like a, it's learning Peru like a business version. So it's all I have been accused of insider trading. <laughs> 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 like <a> dozen Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's really really good.
1: <laughs> but yeah, because if you if you seen the traders for it and stuff, like the, they they kind of highlighted the big set pieces, like when he when he wrecks the bathroom and all. And just from the trailers, I was kind of like, N- I'm not well fussed on it, kind of thing. And there's maybe about like three of them in the film, and they're all right, kind of thing. But there's it's it's just for all the it's it's for the direction of it, the the and, uh, Paul King's flair, and just his wee quirkiness in it. But then there are just some just cracker jokes. In oh, it really, that. really good. But uh, there's there's one that just kind of stands out as well, and it's it's never it's never actually pointed out in the film, but when you first go into the Browns house which is the family stays with, you, you, you kind of see their whole hallway and uh, there's a mannequin's foot at the bottom of the stairs and it's the foot of the stairs <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's just we joke smart weird. like visual
3: gigs what I like too is that when Ben Wishaw took like it, it was originally Colin Firth yeah. Was the voice of Paddington? He dropped out. I'm not sure if it was scheduled I th- or no. Actually, no. He he, he
1: he thought he was too old. Did he I, he he made like well, they said it was a mutual decision that just his voice didn't suit Paddington. Yeah, and he,
3: he couldn't because he's too old. Because Paddington Aye. is supposed to have like a kind of childlike but still an old voice and mm. call first like a man. He's in fucking fifties, like you know what I mean? I wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. So probably a good decision. But I liked it when Ben Wishow was taken on. He got a wee bit of flack because he done an interview. I think it was whilst it was still being shot there, they were in post production. No, it was actually it was just when he was first cast, and he was like, "Oh well, so like I'm just paraphrasing that he didn't really care about the character. Or he didn't really have a connection because he never watched Paddington growing up. And people were like well you know, just kind of keep that to yourself because you know you're not really doing the fucking marketers any <laughs> any you know great I great wa- deal.'
2: I watched it when I was growing when it was growing up. See, it? I was never on it. No. But
3: the nice thing then is that through doing Paddington, he actually obviously read about the lore of it and went then, and you look back and he says the. By the end, he absolutely loved the character, so it was nice. He grew to love him over the the course of the film.
1: Yeah, well, I I used to watch Paddington as a kid, but like I, I actually had a wee Paddington bear blanket. That I used to take everywhere. Oh, Mickey. But uh... no, like I, I wouldn't really remember much from it now. Like, I, like I couldn't tell you stuff that oh, happened in Paddington. Like. No
3: bigger mice from Mars, like no
0: Mice. Mar- no, <laughs>
3: no Biker Power Rangers.
1: Mishra, but but uh, no, it's just it's it's a really good film, and just there's there's so many just wee lines that just kind of stick out to me. Oh. Uh.
3: Is that a, do you want to talk about Norfolk?
1: Uh, no, I just wanted to say one more line from Paddy. Go. <laughs> it's when he first gets his, his blue coat and he's saying like, oh wooden buttons, that's great, and all this, and these sandwich holders are amazing. <laughs> that's <They just laughs> right,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's mad about sandwiches. Yeah, Much yeah, like I have a part sandwich. of <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches, <yeah.
1: laughs> Marmalade sandwiches are total. Yeah. But yeah, really good. Watch it.
3: Well I watched this week. I watched Broadcast News, 1987, James L. Brooks. Absolutely class. I'd always heard it's like really critically lauded, but it's kinda of forgotten classic of the eighties. Uh, it's just one that, you know, nobody Ray really talks about. They've been circling it for a long time. It is Holly Hunter, who's a forgotten, amazing actress. Uh Albert Brooks, who's Nemo, or Nemo's dad, sorry, of course. And a uh, William Hurt, who's one of my favourite actors, who again most people forget about now because he doesn't really do much. I mean he's obviously the, the colonel in fucking Marvel only aye, in, the, in the Incredible Hulk film he's got a ridiculous name Thunders it's like fucking it's like Thunder Tigers Warhammer or <laughs> it's really really over the top but it's amazing Uh like it says in the title it's about a broadcast news station and it's towards the 80s where they're starting to fall apart and you know the broadcast news isn't getting as much attention as what it did before and you know like other kind of tabloids and stuff are, are taken away from actual proper journalism and watching that the storyline is about this producer who's played by Holly Hunter who employs this young, good-looking uh, anchorman, who's William Hurt? But William Hurt doesn't really care about the news, and he's more about kind of selling. You know what I mean? And, and kind of engaging people in a more, you
2: would say, he's working on the image. Yeah, he's working the on the image, and, the and he's
3: trying to like sell him a story instead of like actually trying to sell him the news. Whereas yeah, Albert yeah, Brooks yeah. wants to be an anchor, and he's like one of the main uh, reporters there too. But they don't want him because he's not as good-looking, and he's you know he's too news-driven, yeah, yeah. and it's this kind of love triangle it's a really interesting story but what was even more interesting about it is that it's just, it's so prescient now because it's this argument about, you know, do you show news or do you show this tabloid celebrity shit and I think we're living in an age now where that is so, so relevant. I mean, like, obviously you see this stuff with the refugees uh, today in Syria and yeah, yeah. fucking shocking images of, you know, like dead kids on a beach which is awful They look at but then, in some papers today, you see that, you know, Kenya West has run for president. He gives a fuck. Like, why is that in the front of the paper yeah, when there's people fucking yeah. kids drowning in the ocean? So, it was interesting that I watched that that started this week and then, you know, that happened later on because, I mean, it's, it is an issue and it's 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 an issue that's getting worse and worse as time goes on that we're kind of having I would say like a, almost a celebrity crazy culture we don't really give a shit about proper news but it's a really well made film. Old enough on there too that the love triangle is actually quite good as well you know, just as a, yeah. as a wee side story but uh, yeah, definitely, give it a watch. Uh, another one I watched this week and I kind of influenced my topic for later on is uh, what we did in our holiday. See it? Just been adding Netflix. No, uh,
1: I've I've seen it on Netflix. So who's on it? David
3: Tennant, Rosamund Pike, and my favorite person ever, love Colin Conley.
2: It's it a kids' yeah. film. Yeah, well it just uh, one of those family films. I
1: thought
3: it was going to be like a sort of like you were saying. We uh, this is where I leave you. a sort of typical family drama. I thought that the comedy would have been a wee bit lighter, just yeah. from the the way I seen the trailers and stuff like again. And see, for the first forty minutes, it was so good. So, so good. So well built up. A really beautiful. The storylines basically that's uh, David Tennant and Rosamund Pike were a married couple. They were having these troubles. They no longer love each other. But their father, who's Billy Conley, or sorry, David Tennant's father, who's Billy Conley, is dying. And it's his birthday party. Was
1: David Tennant's Scottish on it? Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's
3: Scottish. He's, he's right. actually going <laughs> to use his own <laughs> accent. But uh, Billy Conley's dying. He lives up in the Highlands. So they think that them revealing they Billy Conley that they've broke up will like kind of kill him or break us heart and might kill him quicker so they pretend that they're still going out with each other and uh, they have three kids as well so we take the three kids up to this kind of family yarn, and there's these like kind of lovely scenes with Bully Conley and the grandkids and just Billy conley has got the the greatest natural warmth ever like you know yeah. it's, he always introduces that you know it's like even Uncle Monty and let me, uh, me, me just—he's yeah. got just a a general warmth. Also, I would like to say to the listener, Mickey knows this," and I'm gonna borrow me it again. But my favorite person that I ever loved—the day that man dies, <laughs> I will go through about fucking a fortnight of morning It's
2: not gonna be long. He's—he's he's not well. He's and got and Parkinson's and cancer. And
3: cancer. And this—this this is what kind of touched me a wee bit more about the film—is that he's dying from cancer in the film, uh, and right. it was during that film that he actually found out he had cancer. And you can tell just looking at him, it's not. Billy Connolly putting on an unbelievably, you know, good act, or it's it's not like makeup, he, he actually does look unwell in it. And yeah. it's probably because he is actually unwell, and it kind of broke my heart a it. And it talks about death and it talks about dying, and it just really got me because he's my favourite person ever too, and he's, he's got these lovely scenes with the kids. And as I say, that's really well bought up over the first 40 minutes, and then the film fucking nosedives. I'll tell you where it's It knows It is a bit of a spoiler, so apologies if you haven't seen it. But 40 minutes on, Bully Connolly takes the three kids to the beach, and, again, these lovely scenes, and he's talking about life and how they should just, you know, level it on. You're kind of cliched family drama stuff, but it's just handled in a really nice way. And then he, he dies on the beach. He just, he, from nowhere, he, he just, they go and play in the water, and they come back, and they think he's joking with them because he, he, he does that early on the film where he pretends to be dead and dives out and scares them. And they all wake up, and he's he's dead, and you're like, oh, fucking hell. Now, this isn't where it dubs, I thought, Jesus, this is really shocking. I thought he would at least make it to the end, but there's 40 minutes in, and he's gone then I shit you not what happens the Fulham turns from this lovely family drama and the a complete nother slapstick comedy what the kids then do is they take Bully Connolly's body and give him a viking burial by burning him to <laughs> de death <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> ruining the 40 minutes that has been built up yet I swear I couldn't please, believe what I was seeing. Yeah. I was like please tell me one of these kids or Bully Connolly's going to wake up in this spinner been a dream because <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking scene for her scene they literally push him out into the water and burn him well not to de death because he's dead anyway but set fire to his fucking body and then from there on, all this great storyline and <laughs> that these lovely kind of relationships are built up, it just descends on the party. It almost descends on they like a fucking furs. Uh, David Tennant and, and and all that there, they have to drag the kids back and all these news reporters come and they're all, oh, you, you burned your grandfather alive and stuff like that. And It really, it, it, you know what, it, it just kind of, it, it fucked me off because up until then, I wasn't really looking forward to watching that much. The only reason I really watched this is because Bolly Connolly was on it and was all right, I'll give it a go. And it surprised me. You know, it kind of sucker punched me in the first 40 minutes. I was like, fuck, this is really affecting. This is really getting to me. I'm under this sort of drama. And that's, I've always said, one of the greatest feelings you can get is going on there following him and not expecting much yet, And it kind of won you over very quickly. And I was thinking, Jesus Christ, about 40 minutes. And I was like, You ever get that where you're like, I'm looking forward to recommending this to people? You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to telling people about this. And then, sweet Jesus
2: Christ, it really, really just dupped. Do you not think it was just your connection to Billy Connolly? Which I thought kind of
3: that originally, but then I was trying to think to myself, if it was any other kind of older actor or actress in that role as well, I would have been just as pulled in. Maybe the Billy Connolly thing on a personal level had a we thing for me, but it is nicely pulled up. And I would actually, I would, I would tellies to watch it they see if he's agreeing with me. And just how. You, the tone and everything completely changes in the film. About I think it's about around forty minutes in. And what was strange as well is that obviously from watching that it then reminded me of someone. It's like one of my worst feelings or one of the worst feelings you can get when you're watching a film is when you're watching a film and it hooks you in and it's really, really good and you're really in it and then one thing happens or the film tonally shifts or just the film in general's quality starts to dip. And it's it's something that's always got to me, and I think that that is the biggest case and point of it. A film going from being really strong and doing everything right, they just getting it so so wrong in was the middle.
2: Was it been? Was it still funny parts at the beginning of the film? Was it just more drama? Yeah, but
3: no, but see, at the start of the film, it's another thing too. Even the type of humor changes because at the start of the film there is humor because obviously Polly Conley and David yeah, Tennant yeah. are in it. you know what I mean? They're they kind of comedic well known for their more for their comedy, uh, but it's more like sort of human. Comedy and it's more about it's sort of like family comedy, yeah. but then it just turns into this stupid I would say comedy mm. and and slapsticky and it, it it just doesn't fit. Uh aye the film ends up a complete fucking mess and I was disgusted with
1: Jesus <laughs> <laughs> so he's disgusted as well.
0: <laughs>
1: She's away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on to news. And uh this week legendary horror director Wes Craven died yeah. at the age of Seventy six?
3: Seventy so. six I think uh. Yeah. It's really sad too because I mean obviously you can you can eulogize and I think that's the typical thing to eulogise about people when they, when they have passed on, but I mean, yeah, obviously, huge icon of the horror world. What's strange is that what I liked about Wes Craven is that he knew he'd done a lot of shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like only really the first scream is good. Only really the first nightmare in Elm Street's good. Last house on the left and the Hulls of Eyes are two exploitation films, and they were shocking, but they're not really good films. They're more remembered for you know the shock value of it. But it was, his directoral qualities and, and being able to mind that out. I mean, I think he was a master of making a film that was completely directed at the pop culture or the sort of zeitgeist at the time, because look at yeah. how influential Nightmare on Elm Street was, look at how influential Scream was. And he kind of carried the gauntlet for the slasher genre, obviously in the mid 80s with Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, coming off the back of doing exploitation films in the 70s but what i loved then is that he was almost kind of like uh i think i read one thing an article one time that sort of called which i thought was a an insult he was craving that the tarantino of of horror because he deconstructed horror then he deconstructed the slasher film with scream yeah and scream was supposed to be a, 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 obviously a deconstruction of all the tropes and you know running upstairs and all yeah, the yeah, sort yeah. of horror movie cliches it was really really smart at the time and then he had you know dozens of imitators off the back of that. that which never yeah. you know kinda held up the original screen. So no, it's 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 definitely a great loss. It's it's sad news. But um I was actually really tempted last night, they rewatched because I don't think I've watched it in about fucking what was it, ninety six? I don't think I've watched it in about fifteen years, honestly. Mm. Yeah. So and I would like to kinda look back at it now from a, a more anal
1: perspective. Analyse it more. Analyse it yeah. more. But yeah, no, you took the words out of my mouth that he was so influential in with uh Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream that those two franchises just permeate the the culture at the time yeah and everybody knows who freddy cooker is like yeah. even if they've never seen nightmare on elm street everybody knows who freddy cooker everybody knows who goes hey, is. and everybody mm-hmm. knows hey, everybody knows who goes is as well and it's just he created these iconic things mm. and like if you can do that once in your life that'd be great but you've, he did it twice yeah, exactly
3: <laughs> if you've done that once then you have you know you've been successful
1: yeah and and even even we like last thousand left and the hills of Isaac like there was just a time where people were remaking those films, is like yeah. just remaking his old films, just to try and make a horror film. It's sort
3: of, it's, it's, it's the John Carpenter thing yeah, that we've John discussed like a lot of times. Well. Like, I
1: mean, he, he seems he had well maybe not to the same
3: uh, extent as John Carpenter. They both had this talent of just tapping into the the psyche or, or tapping the what was you know hard at the time and just making a film that just kind of really stuck with people and it and it
1: sticks with people you know throughout the generations. Then, but also Wes Craven just. One of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a horror film was a uh, uh, red eye with Kelly Murphy. Straight on that, dude. Just, just when Kelly Murphy headbutts Rachel Adams, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> 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 it's like the thing we
3: were talking about a couple of weeks ago. It's a Goldfinger. It was ages ago now. Goldfinger? We're, no, I know it's, no, it's, it's oh, not. Oh, no, Goldie. Oh, Goldeneye, Sorry, it's uh, Goldeneye, We're fucking. Did uh, you ever see it? No, with James Bond, yeah, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. And he sit in the front seat, and one of the bongers so, so sits on really, Alice
1: and dame and he just fucking karate chops her <laughs> for fucking no reason. It's really jarring. Like she's a, she's no, she's a bad bonger. No. Doesn't matter. One? It's the, it's the one with the strong legs. Oh, that was ridiculous as well. Mainly, she kills people. We yeah,
2: just yeah, yeah, Straddle on them. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never used to watch James Bond because my dad and my mum didn't like those kind of films. So oh, it's, it's just a no. Oh, I don't this little british spy just thinks he can do everything he wants that's, <laughs> <all right. laughs> that's so so good
3: yeah i've even just going back to that whole uh what was it uh, the gold night even going back to the whole golden thing like your woman essentially killed people by fucking dry riding them i mean that that was her superpower how did you ever find that out though
1: <laughs> you know what i mean how do you find it? you can oh, kill you a man by strangling him with your thighs? Well, clearly there was an accident one time, and then <laughs> she decided to use it. <laughs> she went for about ten husbands. Yeah. yeah.
2: This this might be the Lamborghini talking, but it certainly is enjoyable when you have uh, a woman's strong fires around your face.
3: <laughs> Dominic, Dominic, feeling. Hey, one ball of Lamborghini, and that's how he goes on. He's had about three swigs it.
1: Now he's having made a dent in that, true. Lambrini. <laughs> yeah,
3: but Do you know what? I'm just going to leave it here to tempt you over the next month. All right, I, I, well, if anything, would a warm bottle of Lambrini sitting in a fucking tent ever tempt you? Mm,
1: maybe in
2: a place, few weeks. Place <laughs> <place> <laughs> <the same>. <laughs> Come <laughs> around
3: about the 26th, yeah. 27th of the month, you'll be, taking, like, you'll be drinking dishwater at that point. Left.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Uh, there's a new trader for Michael Fassbender's Macbeth.
3: Looks fucking unreal. Looks really fucking good. Looks unbelievably good. Not only because... I think we all, like, everybody studied Macbeth in school. <gasps> you yeah. said it? The Scottish play, I meant they say. Everybody well, no, is, studied is, is the that, Scottish play. No,
1: is that not only if you're in. Yeah, Macbeth. it's only if you're in a theatre. <laughs> yeah.
3: Like, okay, fair enough. Well,
1: well we're like, are, we're in a theatre of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> a theatre of conflict, you would say. <laughs> uh,
3: studied it, obviously, at school. Obviously, an amazing, amazing play. Said a couple weeks ago that I think Fastbounders probably probably my, my favourite working actor at the minute. Visually, it looks astounding yes. from that trailer yeah. it looks fucking astounding uh i think it'll definitely have about a hot streak at next year's oscars uh, i think it'll be more likely nominated for a lot of awards hopefully if that good enough on it which he always is he may be up for a best actor Um uh, also what's just nice to see is that there's been this trend over like the past i'd say what 20-25 years of taking shakespeare's work but not doing it straight it's like been you know, doing yeah. Romeo and Juliet yeah, but putting yeah. it in modern times or like obviously Josh Whedon that uh, what was Whedon. it Josh? Whedon? Whedon, sorry, oh I've done it again. J- Josh Whedon, what what, what was I the one he to done do again? About nothing. Uh, much to do about nothing, but again he done it in modern times and it's almost like it's taboo now, or it's 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 seen as a wee bit playing at safety to do Shakespeare Street, but I think that's past this, because this yeah. is
2: one of his history plays though. Yeah,
3: but I suppose I mean you could all call them history plays because people have you know read that like ten things I hate about you is that not like a that's an adaptation tame of, the of yeah tame of the shrew and stuff like that. I mean, it was the kind of thing for a while. I'd say especially in the nineties they kind of take Shakespeare's text and and, and modernize it. But now that time's yeah, passed.
1: Another one as well, not geez, all that.
3: Even Richard the yeah. Third. I mean that was modernized. William McKellen it, and McKellen. that's like ninety three or something like that. But I think now it's come the time where we want just straight Shakespeare adaptations mm-hmm. again because. Obviously they're amazing plays, so do them straight. I mean, I think people have become a wee bit sick of the whole you know, fucking about with. You need to actually yeah. just do
1: it properly, and I think that's why I'm, I'm really excited as well. I will. From watching the trader I, I was I was listening to a thing earlier about people talking about it, and they said there's there's a rawness to the trader, and I think that's the best way to describe it. Yes. Just it's raw. It feels just uh, just uh, like an open wound is just yeah. there. And
3: I, I still don't know, but it's like a words on all sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There ain't no pussy footing about with. Even from just seeing it too, and, and maybe it's it's a wee bit bias on my part because you know I love Fassbender, but he just seems like he is Macbeth, and
2: that he does look like a, a warrior king. Now I yeah. can't remember much about the real history of Macbeth. I know his his reign isn't as brutal as it's made out in the play, but then that whole play written at the time was there was quite it was a bit of political propaganda. That whole thing. Yeah. Um. But I like the way the setting really sort of made that sort of Dark Ages Scotland. I can't remember if it's 1100s I've, I've or 12, 1200s, <laughs> but it it does look like it's sort of set in the time of Scotland a thousand years ago.
3: The whole trailer
2: even, I think,
3: from what I noticed from the cinematography already too, there's, there's a sort of like a red hue to every sort of shot and it just makes everything seem like sort of blood smeared. Yeah. And but the seems it there's going to be some serious fucking scraps in that. Like, there's going to be some <laughs> serious, serious battles. And they look
1: brutal, like, from what I'm even seeing already, you know what I mean? I, because uh, even kind of any kind of battle shop as well, there's this kind of fog or mist, like, mm. in the background as well. And uh, as Sham saying, it's all this reddish hue as well. It's just, it adds a nice kind of atmosphere to the whole thing. Like. Definitely.
3: Like, it's a sort of sense of dread, which, of course, the, the whole Macbeth is, like, you know what I mean?
1: And also, it bodes well for Assassin's Creed. Yes. Because the same director. Same two leading people. Fastbender's knocking a fast little perk recently.
3: <laughs> he always has. He has been for the past 10 years. Sorry, I'm just trying to get an orca- Oh, Jesus. I'm just can trying to get an R orca- can on me. John Kepler shied under me. A 6% <laughs> job. I'm surprised I'm not fucking like this after one can.
2: No,
3: but I was. <laughs> <having>. <laughs> <laughs> I put to make a point there. Mikey. you just kind of stared at me I, really I, weird. Near, I don't You're was not having like so I was a withdrawal something like Mickey, that. Mickey, stop strapping up again. You shitting again. <laughs>
1: But uh, no, I was trying to talk. I was trying to think about something for Assassin's Creed. Uh, no, yeah, it bodes well for Assassin's Creed because it's the same director and obviously the two same uh, leading stars in. and and uh, but uh, because Assassin's Creed uh, is like an a historical thing as well, and it just shows that that director can kind of deal with that kind of yeah.
2: He thing can, <laughs> can he fucking talk you're him? a better host right me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I he can, he can, i've can, made the assessment already he can put you in the, the the feel of the time rather than sort of a like a very early hollywood style feel of Aye, i i mean time.
3: and and that's a talent in itself as a director i mean actually being able to recreate well as as much as possibly as, as much as you possibly can recreate a period of time mm. whereas doing what Hollywood thinks a period of time looks yeah. like if you know it's what
2: I mean yeah. what's um, is it Elizabeth Taylor when she plays Cleopatra does she have have you ever seen that one the one most expensive
3: she, film ever made did
2: she have like the big sort of golden yes sort of head, head piece yeah. on that would you'd see on a sy- sarcophagus yes well that's that's there's like a th- in real terms, there's like a thousand years of history that go from sort of those golden headpieces to Cleopatra's time. That's going back to Adam's historical yeah. peeves <laughs> again. Because Cleopatra's actually like a Macedonian she's actually inbred as fuck as well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole the whole Ptolemy like bloodline from Ptolemy was one of Alexander the Great's generals who just took over Egypt after his after he died. She she's descended on that was pretty much like cousins banging each other, of like so six generations. Why, who doesn't down do that? So, doesn't she... Everyone? So she probably wasn't the most beautiful woman yeah, in the world. Yeah, so we say. She wasn't a looker then. <laughs> <laughs> and she certainly wouldn't be wearing those kind of things. She would have been dressed up in a sort of more sort of Roman, she sort had... of Greek style rather than.
3: Has to be washed out the fact she had six ears. <laughs> <laughs> About eight legs.
2: <laughs> so she was just a spider <laughs> 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 Essentially. <laughs> 20 eyes. Um... Although there was that one piece in the trailer where Macbeth has got the, the blue woad on his face.
3: Is that historically accurate? That Dominic?
2: That's probably historically inaccurate. That's like what they see it now. And, the you, in room. and like a king or a wannabe king of Scotland wouldn't be walking around with no helmet on during battle. And there's a good chance that he would probably be towards the back rather than at the front. But he would get involved. Only when the time was right, you know. Jesus, I, I, I've
1: just decided I'm not watching this film. We don't <laughs> <laughs> just be sitting there, like I oh, wouldn't. You want to have
3: nut pack on Okay, we'll move
1: on. Uh, Vin- Vincent Cassell is they play the next born villain.
3: I like it. I love Vincent Cassel. Really, really on the real like too. Vincent, Vincent Cassell. Cassell, he is one of the main characters in Leon. You ever see that? It's the nineteen eighty five Kiasovitz French drama set in like the Prussian suburbs in the banlous, Which what is was, a
2: uh, little Are you still saying words? <laughs> we young Natalie Portman, Leon. No, uh, no, that's Leon.
3: Leon. That, Leon. no that's Leon, the It's a completely different film. Mm-hmm. Although it does have a French director, old enough.
1: But uh Le Beson. <laughs> <laughs> Le Beson <Bazin>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all getting very French this <laughs>
3: well, you know although well, I'm an Irish cider and fucking wolf well, crazy that's where I'm bringing from from <laughs> the Seminatly factory made <laughs> it's like a, in Wrexham or something <laughs> 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 uh, yeah it's from well do you know Easter what it's, Promises as well? I do I, I had a lecture
2: at uni oh he, is he the boy in Lahaine yeah see nice. this is the thing yes. and
3: it's called Lahaine but then I had a lecture at uni that's because we already Leon. studied it I, I don't make dissertation I don't make dissertation at uni on it and I was told that it's actually pronounced Leon in French Leon. so that's why I've always pronounced it since, but that's probably just me being a, buddy. a fucking pedantic bastard about it like. but uh, yeah so you've seen Lahaine then we'll just mm. call it for yeah unbelievable follow obviously absolutely the height in the English. hate, yeah. Literally the hate in English. If you haven't seen that, then definitely give it a go. Uh, yeah, he's a cracking actor. And what's really good as well, he was compared to for a long time as as Ursina, sorry, as being like the sort of up-and-coming French De Niro. And that, that was a big tag, but he's got that same sort of raw energy that De Niro had and likes a taxi driver and *Raging Bull. And I know that he does a lot of work still back in France. You know, a lot of stuff that I haven't seen. So but want, yeah, from his earlier roles, you could definitely see that. But then... Uh, in his most recent roles, he's just been, he's kind of been, I would say, deluded and kind of shackled a wee bit because of the roles he's been playing. It's been like butt parts. I remember he was the dance instructor in Black Swan and then he was one of the villains in I think like Ocean's Twelve.
1: And it just does uh, really twelve and thirteen. Is he just and
2: is he just playing like ethnic villain or ethnic? Yeah, ethnic, pop.
3: precisely <laughs> ethnic villain. I really hope that's not what Bourne does. I mean, Bourne's obviously a wee bit smarter with it, unless like they kind of break the the sort of the cliches and, and the and the tropes of the genre. So maybe they'll do it in a, a kind of a, a more substantial way or give them a more substantial role. Should they? Should say I don't know. It's it's kind of disappointing with Vans Gassel. I know that he's he's still knocking around the park in France. Unfortunately, like I was saying, we don't get to see as many of those films, and they're hard. You know, obviously they they get access, they but. I would like him to get a really good role that that shows him off here in in like I mean this region. One film though that would go on the, the uh, he played Mezarin. Have you have you ever heard of this? No. He played Mezarin in Mezarin Part One and Two and it was essentially seen as like the French Godfather Part One and Two. It's obviously not as good as the Godfather Part One and Two, but it is two unbelievably good sprawling crime films about a really famous uh French criminal in the nineteen eighties who was eventually assassinated by well, on that assassin but killed by you know like a, a French SWAT team but it shows you his life from the very bottom right up the top and it's a fascinating watch to so definitely uh, again mm-hmm. give out a nice Mez- recommendation you, and I'm spotting Meza- tonight Mezarine. <laughs> Mezarine.
2: is it set in Marseille or somewhere down on the south I coast
3: I think it may be Laura Marseille or Paris can't quite remember I haven't watched it in about three years but it's a phenomenal watch did you ever watch uh, A Prophet oh that was going to be my recommendation yeah. this week you've oh. just spoiled me <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> No, it's not, <laughs> not even like, no, it's great, you can say it, like, I can think of someone else. It's a good and film, yeah. unreal, absolutely unbelievable. And again, old enough, your man, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was almost seen as like Vance Cassell's successor and being like the French De Niro, but then he hasn't done much since either, because I was actually checking he, his IMDb page was, recently.
2: He was in The Eagle with yeah, Tatum. Yeah, but that's balls. No, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Although, home, like. watching that film, and when he first is introduced into the film, you know, when Jamie Bell and Chanting are fighting up on a Scottish hillside, and then they just Billy Elliot, up. Magic Mike, yeah, and <laughs> Billy Elliot and Magic <laughs> Mike. Why do you have to <laughs> get all people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only see this, no, John, you know plugged. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just like this blue-faced man just looking at him like, "What are you doing?" And I, I like, I did like the way that they used uh, the way he was speaking, well, Scottish Gaelic or maybe Irish. I, f- I, I, I
3: don't know i can't even remember i thought it was one it was an absolute key jangler i think i kind of shut off after about 45
2: minutes on this and the, the, that was the only good thing about it is when you just sort of like i got a little shiver down my spine where they're, they're looking for the the seal yeah. people I was he's just standing there like what are you doing
3: that was before uh chan actually remembered that he could act as well that's before he had that you know splurge where fucking people actually realize you know what he's got talent yeah. <laughs> It was at the start of his acting career
1: uh, there's there's one wee quick news story that I wanted to put in just because Shankar is a cynical, cynical man. And <laughs> it's not even really a news story. I just thought it was funny and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, a few weeks ago, Michael Shannon, the lovely Michael Shannon, mm-hmm. who played Zod in Man of Steel, he, uh, he was talking about uh, his role in Batman vs. Superman because obviously we've seen him lying on a slab yeah. in the trailer. And he <laughs> he said... That he has flippers in the next one and he was he was stuck in the bathroom one day on set and Zack Snyder was shouting about Where's Shannon? Where's Shan? And he was stuck in the bathroom and he couldn't open the door because he was wearing these flippers. Why the fuck does he have <laughs> flippers? <laughs> you see. This he said this a few weeks ago, then kinda of everybody was like, What the what the fuck is like Zod has slippers or slippers? But uh but uh, like I heard, some people talk about, oh, maybe it's it's just like a it's not actual flippers. It's like a it's like a CG thing. Like it's just they kind of take his hands out or whatever. Or there's some kind of computer graphics. Going I'm going to on. ask you again. Why does he have flippers? <laughs> but right, no, because there's there's a whole theory that uh, that and the new film that they turn Zod and they doomsday. Uh, so, right. Oh, right. but it's it's just a theory. There's nothing based on it. I hope but my uh, Michael Shannon came out this weekend. And he, he was in another interview and obviously this kinda of blew up about him saying he had flippers. And, he was, and then he came out with like Oh no, I just I just made that up. Like it was just a, a bullshit answer to a bullshit question or something that. <laughs> but then he said like, Oh no, re- really in the in the new film I just do a voiceover. I'm like a ghost like Jorel was in Man of Steel. Like um like and then he said something about being in costume or something then. And it just seems all about Misinformation because yeah. he's saying he's a voiceover, but then he's saying he's, he's a ghost like jor and it's the machine again, like Ru- Ru- The machine. Ru- Russell Crowe is a ghost in Man of Steel, but he's there. He's shot like he, yeah. he's in the film. So is is he in the film or is he not in the film?
3: And. I'm assuming it is. obviously if they're going back as well, they they look at Jor El and the road. and I think that was actually one of the downfalls of Man of Steel is that
1: no, that was like the best part of Man of Steel, Jor El.
3: No, no, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. No, that's, that's the point I was going to make is at the start when you see Jor El and you see that crazy fucking war going on, you know yeah, what I mean? That's sweet. That looks so good, and you want more of that. So mm. I would love it if they went back and looked at that because I think as well, Russell Crowe is a perfect fit for Jor El. This
2: is a, this is crazy war in Superman's home planet. Yeah, yeah. I haven't Kirk seen Man of. Is that
3: historical accuracy? <laughs> I,
2: wouldn't know. I, wouldn't know. I don't I haven't had a chance to research,
1: <laughs> but but no, he he's he's just referencing Jor because he's obviously technically dead in Manastay. Yeah, but no, it's it's just all this. Obviously, from the from the thing I get it from, he wasn't supposed to say the flippers thing, <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't really supposed to say that he's in it. He's supposed but, to say oars. <laughs> <laughs> But but now in trying to kind of backtrack on it, he's actually said a bit more like, "Oh no, I'm doing a voiceover." is like, "Oh, so what? He's in it or he's doing a voiceover?" What? Like, there's just more questions to be had of him trying to stop the questions. If anything, I think I think that the marketing people of Batman versus Superman will probably be loving that. Like, you know what
3: I mean? Because there's there's a wee bit of confusion about it, and people don't really know, and it just kind of drums up hype and it gets people talking. At the same time, and me and Heron are always obviously really cynical about this and talk about the machine. This is why I brought this up. <laughs> the, Hollywood, the Hollywood machine. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was an intentional thing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of trying to give us information out there contracting or contradicting storylines. You know what I mean? Just to kind of get people talking about Just it. Great. Because it's, it's it's so easy to do. To it. It's so easy. It costs nothing. But it could drum up a fucking lot of money at the box office if that is the case. Not that, you know, Batman versus Superman is going to struggle at the box office. <laughs> I doubt that very much. But I mean...
2: Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off bluenile.com code listen
1: okay and we'll go into topics topics, topics. topics. <laughs> it's nothing
3: i feel like we have a bomb when we do i do like, I know we always start doing it last week st-
1: staring each other's eyes <laughs> Um, fuck it! I'll bring up my topic first because it's quite boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Much like Mikey, 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 <laughs> Mikey, Mikey? <laughs> Mikey? <It's> Mikey. <laughs> hey, Mikey, Mikey. Hey, Mikey!
3: <laughs> <laughs> Much like Mikey, since I stopped drinking, completely fucking flubbed me punchline, everybody getting one of my best friend's names <laughs> wrong. somehow. we're gonna call Mikey from now on. Hey, Mikey. Mikey! It's kinda cute. Mikey.
1: Yeah, my topic this week was just gonna be. Talking about streaming movies and films compared to actually owning the DVD or Blu-ray, and what do you prefer to do, and what do you think is the high points and low points? Oh, this both. is a
2: hot topic. A hot topic. <laughs> uh, this
1: is a
3: it's a strange one, maybe because you know obviously back in like me university, Haiti, and like I would say like when I was 17, 18, early twenties, and stuff like that. I used to be like. Pride myself on my like, DVD collection and owning the hard copy and stuff like that. And I had this huge DVD collection, me and you would can kind of, How sad were we? No wonder why we oh, have no, no. friends. Oh, I did we, the we, same. we would compete with each other's DVD collections. That's fucking pathetic, Mickey. <laughs> Jeez, and now we're sitting in a tent doing a podcast. Our lives are shit. But uh, <laughs> I, I used to pride myself on the DVD collection and you stuff still like have that. I two of my DVDs. But I know, <laughs> Mickey. Stop bringing up the two DVDs. You're getting them back at some point.
1: I don't know where they are, but you'll get them back when I find I can't them. Can't even mind what one of them is. I know one of them's almost famous, and I know there's another one. I just can't even. Mind there is another one out there. The Forgotten <laughs> DVD.
3: This <laughs> is That was the like wage in me like each relationship <laughs> where we like nineteen, twenty. <laughs> the Forgotten it still lingers on to this day. But uh, I used to like kind of be obsessed like buying DVDs. It wasn't HMV or like Virgin Megastore or whatever every day, and uh, usually in the foreign section, you know, because <laughs> I was one of those sorts of kids. But uh, lonely. <laughs> hey, lonely are <hey>, a lonely kid <laughs> Only Mickey for lonely comedy Lonely kid
2: with long hair With your little NATO German <laughs> jacket <laughs> hey, on With uh, about six stone on me as well <laughs> We fat kid too like. In world cinema <laughs> hey,
3: I like world cinema How individual am I? <laughs> I'm not a stereotype in any way But uh, yeah used to have like, a big collection stuff I get And then I kind of went to uni And although I still loved film And I love watching film I kind of wanted to spend all the money that I was spending on DVDs on getting fucking blocked and just going out and you like, the union or going out with your friends and stuff and I didn't really have that spare cash anymore. They can invest in, in DVDs. So then lucky enough when, when streaming websites and stuff like that came about it, it was a lot easier or I mean obviously when you were younger like an illegal downloading that's fisted, you, you, you done it. No one cared. Yeah, no, 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 no one cared. Like, no one still cares. That, yeah, nobody really cares. Like, it
1: was the wild west. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it used to be a thing of like that I took great pride in, and I think it was a wee bit of OCD because I used to be kind of really fucking anal about shit like that. Yeah, and, and now I couldn't really give a shit about owning a hard copy. For me, the main thing now is actually haven't seen the film and experienced it because not owning
2: it yeah yeah it yeah. doesn't
3: really mean anything anymore because it's every single film on the surface so accessible now. I think back then. It felt like if you were buying like a World Cinema DVD, you're thinking, "Oh, that's never going to be on TV and stuff like Netflix and stuff wasn't back then." And even going on this shit, like you know, Pirate Bay or whatever, it was tough. Even they to find those films on there, so you thought, right, I better grasp this now. You always, I may never see this film. But now it's like I think it's just it's technology, man. It's just <laughs> the fact that technology's made everything so easy, especially for like cinema goers or, or film lovers. They can see whatever you want when you want. I, so
2: I kind of like that, though. Like what? Well, I like the fact that it's so easily accessible. No, I'm, I'm
3: not complaining about it whatsoever. I, think I love it, it.
2: I think it forces the the makers of films to up their game. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look now, I would just just one particular genre towards the 80s, early 90s, action films, American action yeah. films. Yeah, that's easy to sort of take a pop out of them because they're sort of very propagandary, like the all-American hero. Yeah, the Macho Man. You man. know, in Commando. Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) I used to love watching all those Schwarzenegger films John Matrix John Matrix (laughs) that's his actual name was that film John Matrix John Matrix it's so good and he's he's just he just takes on a whole I don't know is it Venezuelan or Colombian military base he essentially
3: takes on a small army himself and that bad bastard that top record I have seen
2: Commando a lot I (laughs) I love Commando Not a single bullet ever hits him not not once just with that big that chain gun that he has
3: also the film where he literally picks up a phone box and fucks it just just l- not not actually fucks it <laughs> no, you said literally I don't say literally I mean throws it for our listeners throws it quite a distance there's just so many fucking good lines in that film like Richter who's the baddest bastard that's ever been come out of the celluloid uh, Rector's like his main enemy I think it's Mike, no it's not Michael Ironside uh, but the, the bet no he's, he's got like this chainling vest on which all 80's villains did of course <laughs> and this huge fucking knife and he's coming up towards Arnie and I think from what I remember they're down like some sort of tunnel or something like that and he's got Arnie sort of on the ropes and you th- obviously Richter's never ever going to win but no oh, shit no fuck I'm saying Richter that's total recall I mean Bennett Bennett's the baddest bastard Bennett's commando Richter's total recall but Bennett's got this chainling vest and he's got this knife and chill again and he's coming at Arnie and you're thinking fuck Arnie's going to get killed. Nonchalantly, Arnie just rips a pipe off a wall and fucks a pipe right through Bennett. And he's all, and then one of the greatest lines ever in cinema, Bennett's lying there, stuck to a wall, impaled on this pipe. Steam, somehow starts to come out of this pipe. (laughs) The greatest sign-off line of all time, let off some steam Bennett. (laughs) So, (laughs) so good unreal they don't make them my like guy anymore well, I'm telling you. you're not gonna That's that,
2: they are like you know like pulp fiction as in those pulp fiction books that they yeah, used to write Definitely, you're gonna get those pulp fiction books but you're not gonna get that anymore I think you're gonna get more serious filming come through you can't just keep rehashing say with lots of wannabe Wes Cravens creating yeah. slasher films you can't, you can't cinema uh, studios can't keep marketing that kind of stuff no, it's going to force them to actually all get more in depth about the story that they're trying to present to you I in I film. D- I do get that, but at the same time, I don't think it's it's a bad thing that there is just a kind of
3: a, a sort of more straightforward action film as well because there is an audience for that, and sometimes well, you just want that. Sometimes you just that. want some visceral action, well, and you,
2: you don't want it to be in depth. Not so much the action film, but just the fact if you're going to make a film that people are going to pay to see or pay to have a hard copy of. You, you know, you're going to have to put the work in. You can't just... Yeah, no, I know what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, for somebody to actually want the hard copy, of it, it needs to kind of be on another level. Yes. Yeah. Rather than when they could easily just watch it on Netflix or something like that. I mean, like,
3: even last night, I mean, the, the, just to go on we say point about that, there is always, of course, an audience for the sort of slug factor in following, you know, a sort of sluggy horror, a sort of sluggy action film. I mean, like, even last night, I was sitting and I had a choice between two films. It was rather... Uh, a very well received Argentinian crime film called The Secret in Their Eyes which is you know critically lauded or the original Fright Night <laughs> and I watched Fright Night because that's <laughs> just what I was in the mood oh for you know is,
2: is Secret in Their Eyes the one about have you seen it before Yeah Is that the one where he ends up in prison like a woman gets murdered and there's a big cover up and there's the huge uh, it's now famous spectacle in the football stadium Yes yeah. and then at the very end there's the the way that the twist comes in and then you Yes, I know the. Yeah, f- she knows the a, film? That was a great film. A I, really show. <laughs> a I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. That's my recommendation. I just got a job. <laughs> You're jumping <laughs> the gun now. Uh, going back to
3: the original point too, though, about Netflix, I've, I've said this, I think, constantly over the course of this podcast, I think that a major, major thing about Netflix and Amazon primarily streaming sites too is that it gives films that maybe were underseen or didn't do well at the box office but were really critically lauded a second chance it it gives films that really doesn't have the audience that they deserved a way and the the audiences you know kind of minds in a way back and they sort of like uh you know big big viewership essentially and it, it helps people discover these films which is a great thing because there's so many films out yeah. there that are fucking amazing that just never done any box office and no one's seen them and it's you know it's a big shame because it's not like they're there's nobody who actually wants to watch them it's just the fact that maybe they didn't hear about it, maybe it wasn't marketed that well, maybe you know they, they didn't see a trailer or, or what have you, like. But I think that's one of the main uh, strengths or the, one of the main powers, even of, of 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 these streaming websites like Netflix and that, is that it can give these films uh, a, se- a second chance, essentially. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, what <clears throat> my my story is very similar to Shane that when I was younger, I was constantly buying
2: DVDs and stuff like air.
3: Just and for the record, as well, my DVD collection was better. Oh,
2: <laughs> well, mine was pretty good, but we still haven't—we haven't got time to compare. But I Size of mine. in in my in my uni dorms, everyone would actually come to my room to look at my DVD. What can I say? DVD collection, DVD collection. Just had them all along the shelves I next love to that. all my history books.
3: There. Oh, you must have been the coolest cat on <laughs> campus. <laughs> I, was, I Certainly was. <laughs> um,
1: yeah i i I just liked having the physical copy of the thing and like if it was a film that i really liked or like one of my favorite films I, I like having the actual thing and i i i've i went into that with blu-rays as well uh like if it's if it's a really visual like spectacle of a film I'd like to get it on blu-ray for the higher quality of just video yeah. you know like we we streaming sites like netflix like like the best you, you'll get is maybe full HD if yeah. you have a really good connection you know what right. I mean and even the, the sound quality of it as well like it is just better if you have it on Blu-ray or even DVD and uh, so that was the, my mindset for a while and I would still like to own the things but it's just money now you know exactly. what I mean? yeah. and and that's
3: that's and that was pretty much the detrimental factor for me too which made me kind of stop adding to my DVD collection I, it's just it's a lot of money no lies but it is shamed it underneath is, my bed and black plastic
2: of, bags a lot of space as well i think we'll get to the point where we can yeah oh no i have, have a massive of, house I have <laughs> no problem <laughs> that was that was one of the annoying things of going back and forth from union you know, i have a huge box Dedicated just to books, and they were thinking, and then another box just to DVDs (laughs) where you you could just pull it in a USB (laughs) and just just pull it out of your pocket.
3: I'm going back home from unit that weekend, big fucking black bum bag of DVDs (laughs) over my shoulder, just (laughs) instead of a bag of washing. just going to flat out watch farms all weekend. (laughs) Getting dogs abused and a boss home.
2: No, I was 150 miles away from my home, I never went home,
3: Uh and he never has. (laughs) Still (laughs) here. (laughs) uh,
2: No, that, that's a good point as well. That just the
1: physical space the DVDs oh, yeah, and Blu-rays DVD, take yeah. up. Like, I mean, yeah, because
3: you're you're fighting for space on your living them at the moment. <laughs> the DVDs are busting out there, looking. Like, you know I mean,
1: yeah, well, that's just because I don't put them away when I'm done watching them. like We have a separate room for DVDs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which room? We use this room for the podcast. Then there's your bedroom. They're not in there. Then there's obviously the, the room with the computer. Whereabouts? Well, that's going to be the room. We're keeping that even easy, Wiggy. secret room. It's oh. so
2: either going to be Jill's walk-in closet or the media room. <laughs> <laughs> debate, debate hasn't been finished yet. That's we'll see how this podcast takes off. <laughs> <laughs> but, do you ever think that... What, what was the film that we watched? Was it The Guest? Yeah. The one that uh, did you mention it on previous podcast? Yeah,
3: of course. Yeah, it was my re- one of my first ever recommendations. I, I talked about it at life. I actually showed you and hearing at my yes. house about about two months ago now. Yeah, and it was and it was on Netflix. That's yeah. that's how I thought it. Today.
2: It was really enjoyable.
3: And there is the perfect example of that there's a film that was released only last year that not not only, only bombed at the box it was like done so bad that it's on Netflix after a year. That is always the way that you can. It's always the way they tell how well a film's performed. If you see a film on Netflix like six, seven, eight months after it's just been released, you know, fuck, that done horrifically, <laughs> yeah. and the guests done horrifically, which was a massive shame because it's such it is a smart really action funny. film. It's, it's and it's really clever. funny, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's just like a deconstruction of sort of eighties action and and eighties thrillers and old John Carpenter movies and stuff like that. So
2: I recommended it before. I no recommendation. We're recommendation crazy this week. Oh. As, I suppose because uh, the way that information is spread it's kind of still in infancy do you think that there's going to be a point where directors or actors their careers could be boosted by the fact that it becomes sort of like a cult film as as they tend to term it i, definitely I don't think, so. think you can say yeah. cult film if it doesn't do well at the box office but then it's as you were mentioning in last week's podcast about blade runner yeah now that was was that the early 80s mid 80s that there was a lot less spread of information around that you couldn't it can be passed on a lot quicker yeah so it becomes a cult film but if say the guest whoever directed I th- I th- I th- or wrote or the actor himself he could find their careers boosted from that just because think? so many people can access the film yeah for free or cheaper than before
1: i, well, I think i think it's just it means a film can become a cult film in like a few months, basically. Yeah, yeah. From, instead
3: of like from, over from the course of decades. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and again, that's a great thing. And I think already uh, The Guest and, and several other films have felt that benefit from Netflix and being on Netflix because, yeah. fair enough, it, it's hard for me to say, but I know that even from people that I've been talking to, maybe it's because I've been, you know, recommending a couple of people, but even people I don't really know as well, they've been talking about The Guest and watching them on Netflix because they have heard good things. There's a good word of mouth about that film.
1: And I think that Netflix can generate that uh, very well as well, yeah. And well, even even like with Netflix and streaming stuff, uh, it's it's a big thing with TV shows as well. That mm-hmm. like like Breaking Bad is an excellent example that people just binge watch the four series, and then the final series of it is was kind of when Breaking Bad just hit the is like everybody was talking about it th- for the final series, like, yep. and because like Sham was in, and they break and bad from the very beginning. Fucking hipster, but, <laughs> but no, like, like that. You, you, I'm actually, always a trendsetter. No, you, you well,
3: trendsetter and the bagger DVD collection. If he was a true <laughs> hipster, he,
2: he would say, oh, "No, I'm not. i even interested in series five. It's but not, don't like, I, I do say that. <laughs> <laughs> series five wasn't that great,
1: but no, but so, so since you watched it from the beginning, you could see how that built, and you, like you could say that. It absolutely peaked with season five. Like that's when everybody was saying, "Oh, if you yeah. watch Breaking Bad, not, not quality peak." I range. know quality I,
3: quality is a peak series four. If series five is good, I'm not even going to go on that again. Yeah, no, about that's, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's not what we're not talking, talking about. Point. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the point.
1: But uh, as well, like Sun's Anarchy as well, when that was still on air yeah. in America, because like the first few seasons was on Netflix, they they actually seen a boost from that of uh, people binge watching it and then watching it on TV. Then yeah. so it can create this kind of following
3: and that's exactly what happened to me i mean this is kind of a role reversal but you were on the sons of anarchy from the start and i never watched it because nobody really interested in me and because you and a few other people had recommended i thought fuck it i've just got netflix i'll give it a go because all seven series were on there and that's just like the breaking bad thing i binge watched that me and uh and, and later in the space uh, jesus i think we i think there's some like a hundred odd episodes of sons of anarchy, and we went through it in about five weeks because it's it's so easy again. It's this thing. It's so easily accessible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And you yeah. can you can do that. You can binge watch, and it makes your fucking working week fly if you've got yeah. a show to binge <laughs> if watch. Because you really like. you've got someone to look forward to and work as well. Different sort of feeling, I suppose with TV shows, you, you don't. If you're sitting at work like films, it wouldn't get you through a week because at least you can plan out your week around a TV show. You know, <laughs> know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> but
1: yeah, just to summarize, I think. The whole streaming thing, it makes it more accessible, just uh, shows it to more people and can bring smaller films into the forefront for people. But the physical DVD Blu-ray market is uh, just for hipsters and cool people that like higher quality pictures.
3: (laughs) Also, just to summarize, my DVD collection was bigger.
1: Just get a movie on vinyl.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now who's hipster? (laughs) Bigger isn't better, Shankar.
1: I suppose, Sean, what's your topic?
3: My topic this week, and it's inspired by maybe Think? rant that I went on earlier on. No, <laughs> not <like> you. <laughs> Biggest dickheads or something like that. My topic about like you. best friends. Ah, uh, best friends. But one of the friends has a bigger DVD collection than the other one. But. Of, one of the boys just can't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Mickey. Jesus, stop talking about it. Uh, my topic this week—it's uh, completely another based on the film that I watched last night, and I talked about it later, What we did in our holiday, obviously, I discussed that at the start of the podcast. I want you to name or, or try and think of a film that you watched, which was really, really good. It could be—it could have been good for the first half an hour, forty minutes, fifty minutes. But then something happened in the film that completely dubbed it in quality. Now it could have completely totally shifted, maybe it was totally unsure, or something might have happened that was just really outside of the world that they built up up until that point. Uh obviously like I was saying, we what we did in our holiday, which built itself was a nice kind of family dramedy, and then went really slapsticky and really over the top and just killed all the the nice storytelling that they had built up until that point. So these have any.
2: Okay, okay. Well, it wasn't a great film to begin with. That's fine, that's... and it was the Eagle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see. I will, I'll always. I'll always personally be drifted towards films set in a historical time period, yeah, especially so. if it's a time period I'm kind of interested. There
3: remain I mean the listener. This is Magic Mike and Billy Elliot in the, yeah, in the Roman Empire. So,
2: Magic Mike and Billy Elliot, they <laughs> come across <laughs> the Prophet, and the, I watched the Prophet, and he appeared when he first appears on the. On screen, and I go, Oh Jesus, they're, they're fucked now. They're <laughs> fucked now. He's gonna and he's all, like, he's all suited and booted in blue paint, as, yeah. he's supposed to, as they refer to them as the seal people. As I'm guessing that they're supposed to vaguely refer to him as the Picts mm-hmm. of northern Scotland, who hist- historians and archaeologists still disagree whether they were speaking their own separate language or if they were speaking a Celtic language or there was some sort of vestige of the first sort of human settlers that arrived in Britain and Ireland from the end of the ice age, like 12, no, 30,000 years ago. All right. So you see them and they're sort of based up in the North coast and they have their little ceremonial dance and that's kind of nice. And the, the little chief of the tribe is there and they steal the Eagle that they're dancing around. And then I just, after that, it becomes a chase film. Yeah. And, Now, the problem is I didn't really like the whole build-up towards that, Mm -hmm. and I didn't like the way it ended. But that second half of the film, terrible. And saying that now, actually, I'm thinking of a film which really disappointed me, which is much closer, historically speaking, is... um I've forgotten the name. Come on. It's the one one set in Northern Ireland with... uh, What's-his-face the Is it game the, from Skins yeah the 71 71 yeah second half of that was appalling yes i really liked the build up to you know some
3: do you know what and especially obviously from and not the the anthropology i am like but <laughs> not, the, not the anthropology but i think for you especially, if you can look at stuff, you know, for historical accuracy because you're obviously learned in history yes. you can pinpoint it, but it must have been so much easier because you're literally living in, you know, the north of Ireland at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. They they see now I thought that they built up that world and that sort of claustrophobic feeling for a British soldier no, in Belfast really brilliantly. Well. But really well. Again, it just then descends from being this kind of drama and this snapshot a really piss poor time in modern history. They just sort of saw in it by making it like a, a fucking chase film. Take and it, it
2: just kind of belittles the history of it. And I know it's supposed to be a sort of a loose homage to yeah. Odd Man Out. And I remember you talking about in previous podcasts, I, I don't know if it was last week, people that never watch black and white films. Yeah. The only black and white film that I've ever watched the whole way through was Odd Man Out. Yeah. I, again, this it was like a, a hangover film where I was just laying in bed. And I, it just came up on the BBC iPlayer. So I stuck it on because I knew the quality was good. And just laid there watching it, and I really like the build-up. Now, historically speaking, the the accents are bad. Yeah, you know, they're supposed to be set in Belfast. In ah, the to be sure, 40. to be sure, Begora. That's <laughs> and, sort of uh, And it still to me is like kind of those that early stage Hollywood hammy accents. Yeah. It's not very gritty, but it gets to the point where after after he leaves the Shankill, you know, where the bomb blows up, and then he runs away again, and he ends up in the Divis Flats in the Lower Falls. Mm-hmm. And the thing that annoyed me is b- because the the m r f who are a pretty ruthless organization within the british army with this sort of the bad uh, bastards
3: yeah like the like the a m f like the
2: how how and then the british army end up in the Divis flats after night time, and obviously uh, these i r a characters are not aware. That yeah. they've been a, Even though at the beginning of the film they show the smashing of the bin lids. Oh why? Right. Which was a well, very famous thing that like, happened when yeah. British soldiers went on the heavily like, yeah, Yes, like And areas. this is this is seventy one, seventy two, so this is the, the height the height of the troubles. With the point where it could have turned into a complete civil war. Yes. Where everybody's on edge. And they even show the barriers between the Shanko and the Falls and nobody saw these soldiers coming into the divot flats, which is a, a like a you know, like a rat run, like a huge complex. Yeah. A, like a fortress, essentially. And then they get in. That, it's almost like that a tunnel system me. between yeah. those kind of high rise blocks. was the same, yes. obviously, in our own city and the yeah. block side. It was
3: like a tunnel system. Um, and it was used basically to kind of evade yes. placing British yeah, soldiers. No man, because they
2: knew it better than anybody. And they knew every nook and yes. cranny in there, where they hide, where not they hide. And I I didn't like once that got into the film. I was like, oh, no, this is not good anymore. But the beginning part was really, really interesting to just, just to see sort of the grittiness. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people. A lot of people that will watch that film will either be Irish-Americans or people in Britain with a slight interest in it, and I don't think they might not understand like how the levels of uh, deprivation, which was prevalent all over Northern Ireland, coming up to the Troubles, which is one of the main reasons why the Troubles happened. It's the poverty, not the whole politics. Exactly.
3: Picture where I is an Englishman about this straight up here, hey? You'd be fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remembered my one. Good. What was it?
3: You had to think about it for a while there?
1: The Wolverine.
3: Which one? As the X Men Origins or the other Wolverine?
1: The one that's called The Wolverine. The Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, right, fair enough, fair enough. No, because I, I think that started off really well and I was enjoying it and had this whole kind of moody atmosphere and he had a plucky sidekick and stuff. It's like I actually really I really, really like the girl that was this kind of psychic. I can't even mind what her name is and the thing, but like you have a very bad record for this. No, no, I'm on about the character. Oh, okay, wait, wait, fair enough. Wait, what wait, was wait, the actress's wait. name like? No, is wrong. she? <laughs> is this the
2: one where he's up in Canada? No, in, he's in Japan. He's, he's in Japan. Oh right, okay, I don't know yeah. that one.
3: See, actually, you know what? I would agree with you on this one because I went to see it and I thought, right, they're going to make up for the mistakes of X-Men Origins Wolverine and they should have always went to Japan for Wolverine's origin story which we actually talked about last week again. Yeah. I thought, yes, they're actually doing it because that is an amazing part of it's the of a kind of comic of the book the comic book lore of Wolverine. It's really interesting. He, and he trains with samurais. He trains with samurai, and it's just, it, it's just really cool as well. And the, most, the rule of cool is they say the, on, on a basic level and they don't a class and there's this chase scene isn't there at the start too on, on the train and stuff.
1: I think oh, there's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a
3: chase scene on and, on the train at the start, and like the model, like I'm not sure if it was Tokyo or like a soccer or something, but it's class, and you're like, oh
1: fucking else, Wolverine just on holidays in Tokyo, we fucking <laughs> mad, you know what I
3: mean? It's really really good, but yeah, I'll let you continue anyway. But yeah, it was it
1: was going well, and then just. The third act that just shits the bed. <laughs> yeah,
3: with the old inside the robot. What the fuck was that
1: about, like? What was that about? But as well, even even your girl Viper, yeah, it just it just got way too comic booky, which is a terrible thing to say about a comic book film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like she she was wearing like like. Like it's a it's a constant thing, with the the costumes in, in comics and yeah. they always try and revamp them and just make them look a bit normal in yeah. films. But she was wearing like a big stupid kinda of spandex kind of, spandex kind of costume and all and then you have your old boy being silver samurai and all here, correct? I could
3: not get over see when that happened, I went to, I, I talked maybe Broadway to see it and I think that's out what, about three or four years. I think he was about five when I talk when to, to see it. And even he was like, what the fuck's happening here, Shania? I mean, what is it? How the fuck is this old boy? How's my granda? <laughs> a man yeah. of my age, <laughs> bit in a fucking hole. I always say bit in a hole. That sounds sexual. Bitting a fucking snotter out of Wolverine. I just did not... Oh, I, I, I didn't get it whatsoever.
1: And then the the whole thing of, like, he's basically stealing Wolverine's powers by, like, drilling into his bones I, or what something. What the fuck's that like? It's
3: very strange. I, because I'm drilling under your bones, that now means that I also have fucking claw bones <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like or,
2: what the fuck is did, going on did they explain the bad science behind oh that's the completely <laughs> <handled>. <laughs>
3: it's a Hollywood film like, I mean completely hal- well at the same time like, how do you explain science around mutants? a mutant it's not like they're really <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah. so well you could have some kind of speculative no I hate science. that like, what's, you know what, I, what's the point you know <laughs> so, I
3: hate that when they try and introduce the science the stuff that isn't you know actual science or science worthy because it's just a waste of time because it's just being bored by fucking these huge words and all this exposition, which essentially just takes you out of the film. And it always sounds ridiculous. And it's almost them trying to legitimise themselves as like a proper, you know, thriller. Like, you know, just just hand wave it and say, you know what, it's a comic book film. It's made up science. Forget about it. (laughs) Move on.
2: But isn't uh, Wolverine's like very very easily explained that he's basically invincible his cells yeah, yeah they reproduce regenerate. but they, there's never any damage between yeah them. They
3: say essentially like he, he, he near enough can't be killed like cut his head off like you know what I mean it's a different story <laughs>
1: <laughs> say, plus was say, like, say no, actually he can't cut his
3: head off after he gets the adamantium he can't yeah, the that's, a no,
1: that's another thing in, in the wolverine like he, he gets all his adamantium removed or
2: something
3: I can't really remember for the no, phone no, but I know no, that he's wait. back. To, he's he's back. the he's back. He like uh, bone, bone claws. claws yeah. yeah.
2: I thought I I thought. No, wait a minute. That's where he gets bone claws from. No, oh, he, originally know, he, he, he originally had bone claws, and then
3: the claws. adamantium is actually like kind of put on them by Striker and like the and like a project that he had going on.
1: And so that's why he has adamantium claws because he originally had bone claws and the yeah. adamantium cooked his bones. Oh. So why,
3: if you had adamantium claws, would you cover them with bone?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But no, because de- definitely at the end of that film, they remove his animantium somehow, because that's how he drills into his bones in. Because right. then at the end of it, he has bone claws. Yeah. And then in the next X-Men film, Days of Future Past, he's just back to have a metal claws, and they just don't give a fuck about continuity. Ah, <laughs> don't care. It's, it's, well, it's they obviously don't give a
3: fuck about continuity, concerning the fact that they completely ignored that X-Men 3 <laughs> ever actually fucking happened.
1: But you see, that was the smart thing about Days of, Fur- Days of Future Past as well, that... They they've kind of just reset everything now oh, because right. they went, <laughs> hey, they, w- they went back in time and now like oh Jane's still alive is it no is it Jane is Love Interest ah oh, it's fuck what's her name uh, it is Jane yeah Jean Grey Jean not yeah. Jane get Jean. It away, Mickey fuck sake man I know Jean's still alive and uh, Scott's still alive and all air crack and yeah, the biggest fuck about Cyclops club so <laughs> <You> <laughs> it's all they say, yeah. <laughs> no. he's, he's
3: he's actually the leader, leader of X-Man. X-Man. nobody gives a shit about him
1: I wonder if they'll have him back at some point, James it's,
2: it's the same with uh, Leonardo and the Turtles. Do you remember when you were a boy, everyone just wanted to be either Raphael or Michelangelo? Ah, no one ever wanted to be Leonardo. Away <laughs> off. I am actually delighted you brought this up, Don, because
3: you just revealed yourself a fool. Oh, okay. Have I? Have this off. has been a discussion that I have had with several men. Right. Everybody I have met, they always have a different favourite turtle, right? Who's your favourite turtle? Raphael. Nobody. Who's your favourite turtle? Michelangelo. Ah, absolute no, pleb.
1: Most, mostly because he has a similar name to me.
3: All about the Donatello. Are you fucking serious? No. All about. Listen, I th- thought th- you were going to say Leonardo. Nah, no, he's no, the you, boring one. You've
2: Mate. revealed yourself to be the biggest fool of them all. No. <laughs>
3: Listen to, my, listen to my my, Donatello, logic.
2: the guy with a
3: stick. Listen to,
2: my, listen to my logic. You L- could have had the two katanas that had. No, see, this had. It just
3: shows you you're only working on an aesthetic level. You're not interested in depth whatsoever when it comes to your turtles. Now, Donatello can beat you with a stick, but also with his mind, as he is the smartest turtle. Raphael's just a thug with fucking two fucking exactly, daggers. Exactly, Michelangelo he's, just loves he's, eating pizza. And he's that boy. Sticking.
2: He's, he's the one who you depend on in a dark alley. Donatello, 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 can't, they, Donatello can't beat you with a mind. He's just a computer geek. No, you he can him beat him you with from mind. take away his little fucking magic van. I've seen him
3: cause some fucking serious shit with that stick. I've seen him do it. Uh, at the same time, too, I love that. Anytime I ask somebody, that, and you've actually proved me theory, it's class, is that you like Raphael. You like, what, Michelangelo? Yeah. Yeah. Not one person I've ever asked... Says that Leonardo's their favorite turtle.
1: Well, Shan Coyle, that is a lie. The
3: reason, well, uh, that I've asked, I, I know what the no, reason no, no. being, who no, who, who?
1: because me, me, you, and two of our friends were sat in my mom's living room one time, and we were. Please
3: t- tell me who's who's <laughs> favorite character is Leonardo. <laughs> um, I must fuck focused. I can't mind this. And
1: we were talking about the turtles, and then Shan Coyle asked the immortal question, "Who is your favorite turtle?" I said, "Michelangelo." He said, "Donatello." Someone said Leonardo. Someone said Raphael. And I jumped off screaming, was like, we're the Turtles! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell.
3: I can't remember who it was, but I do also have another... Th- I have many theories on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and I don't know where these have come from. But another theory of why... Well, fair enough. I was going to say nobody, but then not a lot of people say Leonardo. is because he is the stock leader. When you actually look at Leonardo, he's the most born of all the Turtles. He doesn't really have a personality. His personality basically... Satellites from the fact that he is in charge and he's just kind of the one who's been put in charge. Yeah, You know I mean? They he's don't really work on him leader. as much. He is just the leader. And, and you always get that with a straight man in any yeah, fucking yeah, sort of yeah. narrative yeah. whatsoever that he is. Always the kind of most boring character. It's always the kind of side character to get the quirks.
2: Okay, just to go back to 71 and just to compare it to Odd Man Out, which is, which is only loosely based on is what I really liked about Odd Man Out is the way that as the character, I, can't, I think it's James Cagney. No, it's not James Cagney. It's, it's an American actor. But as each time his character comes into a next position in the film, the the intensity builds, yeah. which, which happens in 71 through the first half of the yeah, film. Of he runs into each sort of different section. But then the second half, it turns into this silly chase film whereas Just in yeah where in Odd Man Out it carries on carries on you, you you, do kind of grow an affection towards the character as he's running away Then yeah. eventually well not to spoil the film like he you know it's it's not a gr- it's not a great ending but yeah. it's not the great ending in 71 either yeah. but it the way it, it's like a crescendo as it gets better and better and better and better Whereas 71 just turns into It's something. an opposite uh-huh. crescendo. Uh, dups and dups and dups.
3: And that's exactly the point that I was trying to get back to. We, uh, you know, what we did in our holiday, that's one of the disgusts on. I don't think there's, I'm not going to say, there's not more soul-sucking than a film. That starts out well and then fucking turns bad. There's mm. way worse things on planet Earth. But uh, it's just, it's it's such a, a fucking heartbreaker when you really got engaged with a film, especially a film like last night that, I really didn't think it would engage me, and I was just watching it out of my love for Billy Conley essentially. And then for then, just they blow up in your face, and it, 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 it annoys you more because you think so many people were involved in the McLean's film, you know, especially script writers and producers. How did they not see that? It, what happens forty minutes in is so jarring; it's like two completely separate films. Then maybe that's just me. If you go and watch what we did in our holiday, you might not find that. But for me, that was the case. And I do think that that's what I was trying to hurt Bagdy. It, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a film that was critically lauded, or it's a generally accepted point that it starts out well and then ends badly. It's just for you on a personal level, a film that you really got hooked on the, and then it just shits itself, essentially. I, I think it's it, it's always, like I said, a, a
1: heartbreaker. Okay, and Dominic this week shall be doing...
3: Thank you, Mickey.
2: Thank <laughs> you. Right, the the hero's journey that I'm going to attempt to do is Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yes. Ah. Now, one of the reasons I love this film is, I don't know, it introduced me into a really gritty world when I was only six or seven years old. You, first you grew up a I I'm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, i I have no idea where you grew up. But more likely, I was a councilor. Half, half of a the councilor's <laughs> There was... I was on the edge of an estate. Of, then <laughs> uh, I was on a, I was in an estate, but there was a wood right next to the estate. So you could almost call it a country manor. Uh, no, I lived on Collinswood Road, which is part of Sheppel. Basically, that means the well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, we know what that is. the the council estate that I lived in was built on top of an old forest. Right. Okay. So right on the edge of where my house was, the vestiges of that old forest were there. Did you ever frolic in that forest? Of course, you definitely. Of did. course, of course. And this is why. This film is one of my favorites that I still watch, even though it's a bit cheesy. Go for it now.
1: And and historically inaccurate.
2: And historically inaccurate. <laughs> um, Hero's Journey, Last of the Mohicans. And it it's taken from a novel written in the early 19th century, which is based around the last vestiges of North American East Coast uh, Native Americans trying to come to terms with the fact that European settlement is now growing yeah. now we have our hero who is Hawkeye played, Daniel by, Day. Band, played by Daniel Day Lewis and yeah. step one his ordinary world is he's running around the, the forests of New England just hunting after a deer and he captures it with his Hawkeye sense of sniping.
3: How you hunt a couple of deers in your forest?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the cool, step two, the call to adventure is where he it's actually very close after step one they come across like a smoking campfire which the rest of his adoptive father and his adoptive brother track and that's when he comes across uh, the two daughters with Duncan who are being um, escorted from New York or Buffalo to Fort Henry or Fort William Henry, I can't remember the name. They're they're basically being escorted from the more settled European parts of New York, upstate as it would be, yeah. up along the river. The refusal of the call was he gets there and he doesn't really want to he doesn't really want step free, he doesn't really want to take them, but he feels like, okay, we'll we'll take you there and then we'll drop you off and then we'll go back on hard on our journey back to Kentucky which is where they were originally going to the next tavern now step four meeting the mentor
3: anytime somebody says meeting the mentor I can't help but think of that masturbation joke that was cracked (laughs) about eight weeks ago it just seems like a really subtle phrase for
2: bit in the head of yourself essentially I don't I don't think we can have meeting the mentor in this film so much so we have to skip a step sacrilege
3: sacrilege for hero's journey somebody
2: what do you call your man? I haven't oh, okay, it yet, but what okay. do you call
3: your man? The fucking old boy who's there at the end the, on the cliff.
2: The grey hair. Aye, that's no, Mag- his mentor. No, no Maguire's not the mentor. Magna Maguire's the adversary. Is that not... No, talking? the other old boy who's him the whole fucking way. Yeah, but that's his dad. He's there from well, the that's beginning. That's his mentor. Alright, okay, well that's his mentor. <laughs> That's basic, <laughs> but, so,
1: so, but sometimes meeting them mentor doesn't. It could, okay. it could. mean like okay. it doesn't mean like he's meeting them. Like it might be like when they're first introduced in the okay. film or something. Like
2: well, that. We could have it step four is where they there is a point where the 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 loyal forces of the British Crown in the the thirteen colonies at this yeah. point start trying to rally the Native Americans and the frontier settlers together. And uh, Haw Hawkeye sort of questions, saying, "Oh, do we really need to do this? This is actually this is part of refusal of the call, step three. But it, uh, it merges in together, step three and step four.
3: fact, That's what we want right here.
2: Step five, crossing the threshold, is where they come Not across enough. John Cameron's frontier settlement, and an Ottawa war band have basically scalped everyone and moved on, and they're already escorting the." The two daughters of the general to to his fort, and now it's become a personal thing for Hawkeye.
3: Um, Picture on that cherry now, like picture like you and a bunch of muckers decided we're gonna go out the town, block with a bag of cans, and just start fucking scalping boys, scalping them,
2: yeah, or just definitely in front that Daily Journal. If if you scalped a few boys and then someone was trying to run, around, you just threw a tomahawk. <laughs> in <their back>. Tomahawk <laughs> free fucking polo's pizzas, wonder. Step six: tests allies, enemies. This is when they get to Fort William Henry, yeah. where they meet the father of the two girls that they've been ex- escorting, and he he thanks them for escorting them there, and then they need to get back, and. Hawkeye and his adoptive father and his his brother ask, Oh, can you bring some of these people from the fort home? Because they need to protect their families along yeah. the frontier. And that's when he says, Oh, so? So? Uh, I remember that yeah. line where he just disregards it as in, Couldn't you know, give in a fuck, a Okay. Now, step seven, the approach is where they're actually stuck in the fort. Yeah. And this is the French forces with their huron allies which are another native american tribal group who were opposed to the mohicans and the iroquois who were fighting on the sides of the mm-hmm. british the that not Lord Iro- of Rings? Iro- iroquois They <laughs> completely got that wrong anyway continue they uh they basically are battering the shit out of fort william henry <laughs> <laughs> right? they, they, the, the, the british can't win this they're losing they know they're losing Fuck
1: your fort.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so they they lose. This is a reproach. This is where it comes from. The, the cheesiest line in the whole film, I find, is where he goes off with the daughter, the older daughter, and she, while the while the <laughs> while the fort is being bombarded by mortars, they go off to a sort of a slight corner of the fort somewhere, and she looks at him and she says. <laughs> The whole world's on fire, isn't it? <laughs> 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 and Then they have sex. <laughs> uh, Michael well, Mann can have a tonne of her dialogue sometimes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre as well, it is in a Michael Mann film. It's it's, mo- it's the most un-Michael
2: Mann film you'll ever see. But anyway, continue. Right. Step eight: ordeal, death, and rebirth. This is where the fort's lost, and the the French commander, as a po- well, as following the rules of warfare at this particular time lets the fort who surrendered march back to sort of safe uh allied ground. Yeah. Of course the Huron don't like this. They as as far as they're concerned in warfare, they should massacre all their enemies right there. Yeah. So they go f- they're walking through uh like a glen, like a valley, and then they get ambushed. And this is where most of the British soldiers get wiped out and their allies and the frontiersmen get wiped out. One of the daughters of the grey hair—I can't remember the Munro. That's it. The general Munro. Munro—he mm-hmm. gets killed there. Uh, his daughters are up; they're going to get killed, and that's where the hero is reborn as he rescues her from certain death. Go on, Daniel D. Also, go work. on, lad. And then they—they—and then they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's really <right,
3: that's> right. <laughs> step crazy. nine. Shagging left, right, and center in this fall. <laughs> Reward
2: seizing the sword. This is a, this doesn't happen. He
3: sees started. the sword a couple of times in that follow <laughs>
2: <he? laughs> Well, I think maybe this is why this makes it a good hero's journey story. They think they've got away. They get in the canoes. They paddle across the Saint Lawrence River, and they're hiding. But the the chase is still on, and they get caught. He has to jump out of the waterfall and he's not even sure he's gon- he's going to make it so she gets captured by the huron the huron take her back to their their huron village so we get to step 10 the road back the road back. they've now got to uh free the two women that have been captured by the huron and they get there and they alongside of them is one of the surviving officers duncan who was originally escorting them from the very beginning of the yeah. film so we get to step 11 resurrection now step 11 resurrection is actually for duncan because through the beginning of the film he's portrayed as something as a like a very much like a, Brit, a bit of a bit of a tit a very british toff is like oh. yeah, he's he says to his general, I thought British policy was to make the world England. He, <laughs> what a and bastard. And he, and he has a fucking toffee fee. And he, he has this little falling out with Hawkeye, even though he fell in love with, who is was essentially Hawkeye's piece now. She's, she's, <laughs> she's with Hawkeye. She's with Hawkeye. Well, he, she's, she's got rid sort of, of all the
3: time, like he's offered. She's never leaving him. So
2: Duncan, he... <laughs> <laughs>
3: duncan re- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Paul I had him <laughs> <head>. <laughs> Duncan resurrects himself by sacrificing himself, which is a there's a great scene towards the end of the film where the the Huron village elder says, ever since the white man came, we've been asking what are we to do like, as yeah. they're aware that their whole entire way of life is going to change, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. So they they settle. Hawkeye tries to debate. Okay, kill kill me, let the let the women go. But Duncan says no. Kill me, let him, who the woman I wanted to marry loves, go with them together. So they go off, and then step twelve return with the elixir. Everybody says that word different. I say elixir.
3: Heron is elixir. No, Alexa, and, Alexar you, Alexar, and oh. you say Elixir? <laughs>
2: elixir Well it should be Alexa. Yeah, it, it is Alexeix. Like. But I've just put, questioned it because I'm trying to think of the, the final scenes. Now the last ten minutes of Last of the Mohicans is an intensely powerful ten minutes yeah. for me, even at this age. It's a crack and battle too. But it's, a, it's it's like a streamline battle. It's only yeah. like between like you know
3: you're used to seeing these big crazy wars, especially recently, CJ and thousands it, it of people. Yeah, it doesn't. But this like only between be. like you know I think it's only like between like four or five people. Four or five yeah. people, essentially. Excellent.
2: And it's, it's more it's more the emotion in it. Hawkeye, his adoptive father, and right, that's it. got got chuck I can't even say it. it. Uncas And Hawkeye, they're now tracking the Huron warband that have taken the taken the younger daughter alice away so they're trying to save her that's the return with the alexia yeah. and of course not many of them survive only a few people survive they they come across the adversary and that's the end of the film the hero's journey ends there In know what has got to be the greatest sort of on the edge of your seat sort of one-on-one battle Is that, that i've ever noticed no. and i yeah, no, no one gets their head cut off. Man v ponytail. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just because it's just on that cliff face, which makes it amazing. And with the the soundtrack, it's going, so good.
3: it's beautifully shot as well. And I think really as well as anything on a cliff face or on the edge yeah. of a cliff is a literal cliffhanger, and it adds just <laughs> that element of danger to the scene. Because you know you, you don't know fuck is Daniel Day Lewis or his fucking dad gonna go off a side this or what. You don't know, like...
2: But it, it is it is a hero's journey, but it, I think the problem with Last Mohicans is it's a bittersweet ending.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, Do you not agree with
3: I think it's a bittersweet ending, but I, I like that. No, no,
2: I like it. it's a bittersweet ending, but, of course, like, they've won the battle, but they're losing the war.
3: Yeah. Well, I suppose, uh, if you look at it in a grander historical mm. context, this is only one small, small, like, kind of human plight against, like, a colonial beast, essentially. Yeah. But, yet again... The flawless theory that is the hero's journey, all 12 steps, banged straight out of the park. Hey! Okay, and
1: we'll move on to recommendation. Uh,
3: <laughs> right, my recommendation this week is Midnight Run, uh, 1988, <laughs> director Martin breast It's uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Groton. Uh, Charles Groton is essentially just a dad from Beethoven. He, has, he hasn't read on much in the past fucking 15 years. Excellent film, Robert De Niro. I I think from what I can remember, he's a bounty hunter. He's a PA. He's some form of law enforcement, anyway. And he uh, has Charles Gogan captive, and he has they take him from one state to the other because I think he's involved in, in something to do with the mafia. I can't really quite remember the actual storyline, but
1: bullshit. The, re- no, <laughs> the, the
3: reason that it's the reason that I'm recommended is we were chatting around about how De Niro does have comedy chops, and you know we're talking about Meet the Parents and The King of Comedy and he is actually a naturally kind of funny actor too when he wants to be and I think that is the first time he really showed it the Midnight Run is so fucking funny and the chemistry that him yeah <laughs> the, the chemistry that him and Charles Grodin have is absolutely excellent Uh fits sort of nicely into this the, the body cop well it's not really a body cop thing it's actually a, a body a, movie yeah a buddy movie but the weird thing is is that they're not bodies whatsoever until like the last 10 minutes, which I suppose kind of fits the standard as well because you know you see them go through yeah. all this shit together. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like it too is because it's such an easy watch because it's the combination of two of the easiest watch genres that there is a road movie and a body movie and it combines them both perfectly. So yeah, definitely give it a watch, a lot of fun. Dominic? My
2: recommendation is Miller's Crossing. Oh, yes. Nineteen ninety, Coen brothers. Must be one of the early Coen brothers. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, I think just before that, they'd only had Blood Sample and Raisin, Arizona. Yeah, written and directed by both Coen oh, yeah, brothers. Oh yeah, Gabriel Byrne, Albert Finney, John Turturro yeah. in there. Great film. I I have to watch that film Barton once. Yeah, no. Miller's Crossing once a year.
3: Ah, oh, it's so good.
2: Now. One of the reasons I do it is because it's just an, an ego mashup for me. Like, I I try to liken myself to uh, Gabriel Byrne's character. Oh There's God. no way near that I'm ever close to him. <laughs> but, you know, when you, you when you kind of try you to of it, yeah. deceive yourself that you're like You're in between person.
3: both gangs. You got but the gift like gab. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you now. No. It, it, <laughs> no, no. Nowhere near close. Nowhere
2: near close as witty and as smart as he is but it's just a great film. Like it's a typical 1920s prohibition style gangster film, but it moves very quickly. Yeah. And I just, I love the way that each scene moves on and Gabriel, uh, Tom Reagan, Gabriel Burns characters, just great the way he's playing them off. And I think it is a real, it sets a real sort of stepping stone to a lot of Coen brother films. They actually sort of delve into philosophical things. They, they try they tried to look at things deeper and I think that was one of their films that they really started to explore yeah. more into abstract ideas and concepts about human existence.
3: I 100% agree with you as well in saying that it's a great diving Off point for the Cones and what they would you know go on to become because a blood sample is kind of like a, a really stripped down crime film and it's really underseen. And then raising Arizona is the other side of the coin the Coens and it's really yeah. slapstick and it's it's cookie. Whereas Mother's Crossing for me was the first time that they combined those two elements. And the yeah. reason that they are sort of viewed now as uh, iconic or, or visionary directors is because they essentially created their own sort of genre. I would I've always kind of personally argued that the Coen genre is is a sort of subgenre on its own right because yeah, yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. makes narratives or writes narratives like the Coens because there's this weird mashup. Of really brutal crime, with like really kind of family values humor, or like a, you know, it's it's almost like a satire of family values yes, humor. Yeah. And nobody can do what they do, and that's you know that's why they are so lauded, and so they should be because uh, for me they've they've near enough never made a bad film. Bar and Talbot Cruelty and the remake of the Lady Killers. I don't know what they were thinking then, <laughs> but uh yeah, you're exactly right. It is the first time that you see that mashup. And it's 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 so good. And the fact that not only they capture the atmosphere that the Roaring Twenties, but they also kind of make a homage to like the rat a tat dialogue and the snappy yes, dialogue of that time period. Way, but yeah. also put their own spin in it. Mm. so fucking good. And as well the the part where Albert Funny when the the two boys try and fucking punch his ticket. Oh, they they uh, Danny Boy scene. He goes out to Danny, and Danny Boy's playing that, and so over the top of the works well, Danny Boy's playing that back, and it's just Albert funny standing, Molly the the straight in his fucking housecoat, and his slippers rattling this this car (coughs) with a Tommy gun. I like it
2: so much, I'm trying to create my own lore behind the film. One of the reasons that Tommy and uh, Leo's, so close as they're actually in the First World War together. I'm actually Aww, making the, shit up because I it, like that film It's so sad
3: much. but also a very beautiful thing when you get so engrossed in a film or love a film so much that you actually start doing fan fiction essentially. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know right? right your own i I was fan
2: fiction-wise that, definitely.
1: Sad My recommendation is Equilibrium. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know what? It's it's
3: such a good action film but I rewatched it recently because old enough Harken back to our topic. It was uh, at <laughs> the Netflix, but Jesus, it's just such a bad story. It's so cheesy, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But you know what? If it's for pure visceral action, then I see where you're coming from.
1: I I think equal. If you don't know the story behind the equilibrium, it's a, it's a future society where emotions are banned. Ah, oh, do you know what the worst <laughs> thing
3: is too? When I was saying it was cheesy. The thing that makes me cringe more than anything on that film is the phrase "sense offender." It's so bad. He's a sense offender. offender.
1: But yeah, emotions are banned. So every day they—is it like what do they take? Like eye drops or some kind of? Yeah, it's essentially
3: just a drug. They nullify their emotions and make them robotic. So no, no,
1: nobody has emotions, and society's perfect. There's no crime. There's 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 nothing bad happens. Just everything's just. (laughs) Meh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's no crime, but your people are all dead inside. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, and then, aye. So, Christian Bale is basically kind of like a cop. Well, is, is it? He's essentially a cop, but... He's
3: part of the <laughs> oh, I know. well, I, I
1: can't remember, but they're like above cop,
3: like the, the detectives of this world. Yeah, even though, though like, they don't even need them. They're trained in Goncata, which is essentially this mixture of... Again, this, even saying this in, in actual language, it's this mixture of Kung Fu and, and shooting boys with guns. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Is it a John
2: Wei film? No, it's no. not
1: even. I don't even know who directed it. It's... how uh, oh, can't even Is it Kurt Wimmer or something? He yeah. wrote and directed it. But uh, well, look, if he wrote it, then obviously uh, you can tell they didn't get work again. Like, also did ultraviolet, <laughs> oh, but uh, happened. no, yeah, so Christian Bayes, he's essentially like a detective cop kind of guy. I can't even mind what his actual name is, like his rank or whatever. But uh, his partner Sean Bean has become a sense offender, <laughs> <laughs> and so and so he has to, does he kill him or just? arrest them around. No, he shoots him in the fucking I, face. He kills him. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> About 10 minutes on awesome. <laughs> yet
3: an R notch on Sean Bean's eternal death list.
1: <laughs> as soon as I, the first time I watched that like I I I seen Sean Bean I was all how long is it going to take Sean Bean to die here? Like, <laughs> I mean. But yeah, so but that uh, Christian Bates starts questioning the whole emotion thing then and then he secretly becomes a sense offender and it's starts like, reading books and all. And, oh, Jesus, <laughs> <mental>. <laughs> <Bastard>. <laughs> I know, Jesus. Mental. Bastard. I know. But yeah, the I'll I'll admit the story is a bit ridiculous, <laughs> but no, it's it's just pur- purity for the action, ah, the the, the gun cat stuff or whatever you call it. It it has some. It has the best like literal version of a gunfight of not just oh, sh- yeah. boys shooting at people, but actually fighting with, with guns, guns. <laughs> like essentially trying to
3: pistol up each other. Uh, <laughs> the choreography, I 100 percent agree. The choreography it's of awesome. the fights so is on really. Only thing it just kind of sticks in my throat about Egolabum is the fact that. Uh, Kurt Womer, the writer director, he tries to make a point with, and he's trying actually to make this sort of <laughs> deep storyline, but it just comes off as naff as like you
1: know what Aye. I mean. But anyway, there's a gr- there's a great line in as well towards the end. So spoilers if you haven't seen it, but you should watch it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, they they've kind of tricked Christian Bale into this scenario, and they're all like. Uh, what? What do you... Oh, is it? Is it like a, a cleric or something? You call it? a cleric? That's what it is. They're clerics. Yes, aye, well remembered. I know because it's
2: it's this line. He's like oh, they're the keepers of information or something.
1: Essentially, no, they 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 like they,
3: they uh take the information and then store it in his vote, aye, because they, obviously aye, art like art all, and culture aye, is not allowed.
1: books are, are like locked up oh, and all that okay. okay. But uh, I know it's it's towards the end they get Christian Bailey come in the uh, this kind of setup basically and they they get his sword and gun all, and all off him and they say like, oh, how do you get a gun from a cleric he was, he was like you ask him for it then they all pull out their guns and try to kill him and stuff and sweet <laughs> it's so
3: good there's also a scene where he literally cuts a man's fist off with a sword in so one good. swoop just, just the front
0: I, just no, the front it's, of the fist it's, it's, it's and the, the, the cga
3: <laughs> considering that the rest of the film <laughs> considering it was made in 2002 looked really sleek and really well made the fact that that was like the sort of the crescendo the, the main fucking scene CGA waste towards the end of the film. They obviously <laughs> ran out of money because the <laughs> CGA of that shot is
2: fucking horrendous. Hold it hold it looks
3: like a cornflake just falling off <laughs> of his face.
2: I know. Cause does does his eyes stay in the sockets or is the front of the eyes uh, off? It, as well?
3: it, it looks. It looks
1: like, no, like a cut from a PS one game. because no, it it's like they have this. They're having this big fight and all, and then it, it just like kind of stops, and you're kind of thinking like, what the fuck just happened? And then you just see the boy's fist just kind of slide down. Like I love as well too. What I've always
3: loved about that film is the man has literally just got his fist sliced the fuck off, but he still Does has the has time to turn to his head round, so yeah. it gets the perfect angle for the camera. Turns his head round nicely, so his fist can slide off. Well, <laughs> lovely. You don't, you don't know there, what
2: happens there when there you still get your sort face sort of minute cut off. in the mouth and the, the eyes. Uh, right? yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Essentially, his his head's more like a grape, and it just kind of just cuts uh. nice. There's no bone or anything in there. <laughs> but yeah, it's an awesome phone. <laughs> bang bang! Okay, I'm gonna we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for this. And if you want to get in contact with, us, weigh in on some of the topics, or even suggest your own topic, you can get in contact with us on Facebook. Let's talk more movies podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us talk more movies at gmail.com. You can leave us comments, reviews, or uh, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on ACAST, where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place to listen to this.
2: Yep.
1: Well, thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shan Coyle's been Shan Coyle. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Phelan's been Dominic Phelan. Thank you very much. Episode
3: 19.
1: Goodbye, bitches. Ah, oh, oh. no way! Hello. Right. Okay. Albert. No. now. fuck's sake. All right. Bye. <coughs>
2: my desire for vagina
3: do you think you get drunk cans in your sleep